Hey guys, Dustin Bones. Now listen, we all gotta grow up sometime. Part of being grown is you gotta have a good credit score. And I think I've found a way that I can help you maintain that. Now hear me out. And hear me out on this. It's called the Capital One Platinum MasterCard. Now I use this myself for all of my online purchases. When you're shopping online, you if you're putting in your debit card information, you're giving the internet and the whole world access to your bank account. Don't do that. That is not safe. If your information gets stolen, God, guess what? I got some bad news. Your bank's not going to give you that money back. That's why you need to use a, a credit card when purchasing item, anything online. It's a whole lot safer. Plus, you build your credit score by buying the things that you were going to buy anyway. And here's why I recommend the Capital One Platinum MasterCard. Because there's no annual fee and you don't need perfect credit. You only need fair credit. Now, what's that mean? Well, there's a lot of things. So listen, maybe you've had your own credit card in the past. Maybe you're new to the United States. Maybe you're somebody, you're a signee or something on somebody else's credit card. Maybe you, you got student loans. Guess what? Those go toward your credit score. Hey, and listen, even if you're rebuilding your credit, look, nobody's perfect. In the past, maybe you've defaulted on a loan. Maybe you've even recently been declined for a card and you think, well, there's no way I can get it. Trust me, it doesn't hurt to try because it's risk-free. The, the, the Capital One uses a no-impact credit score system that doesn't 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 have any risk to just try it so follow the link in the description see if you pre-qualify and get the capital one platinum mastercard today for a second and nope there we go all right and we are on and i am here ladies and gentlemen with jerry michelle and serial entrepreneur I said a moment ago before we went on the air. Uh, explain to everybody what it is that you do, like how all of your businesses kind of, or what businesses benefit from your service that you provide. Hello, everyone. I am Sheree Michelle. Dustin, thank you so very much for having me here today. I'm super excited about our conversation. So, everyone, I am Sheree Michelle. I am an author, book coming out this summer. I am a um, I am a speaker. I love speaking on stage, and I help startup entrepreneurs get their businesses started in the right light and get their businesses funded. And then I help the medium-sized companies get their teams together and hire teams and and do leadership building so that they can properly scale to the seven and eight figures that we all want to get to one day. <laughs> so it's like consulting is, is what you guys do. You do you do a lot of consulting work? We consult, but we also actually help people set it up. So we do LLC setups. We um will set up their their business profile so that they can get be taken serious by banks for business funding. Um we also go out and actually find the virtual assistants to help them grow based on what their business needs at the time and help train and monitor those virtual assistants so that they can be the best um, help to the companies that the that business owner needs because it's too much stuff for us to do in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what uh, what would you say is the thing that you encounter the most with, uh, with business owners that are looking to 
that are seeking your assistance. Are we being um are, are we being honest? Oh, Would yeah. you like the warm and fuzzy answer or the honest one? <laughs> <laughs> I want the truth. Y'all are hard headed. Entrepreneurs are hard headed. That's the biggest problem. <laughs> <laughs> what if they just don't want got to... their they just got their plan in place and don't want it altered? That or they want to reinvent the wheel. They don't want or they don't want to give up control. They feel that hiring someone or letting someone take a piece of their company and do that work is actually giving it away and they have no control over it. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, and it's actually delegation is one of the most powerful things that you can do in a business, honestly, to make it grow the Six months after I hired staff is when my company hit six figures. And I have every intention on hitting seven this year. Why are they reaching out to you then if they don't want to do what you're what you're saying they need to do? Like, I don't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I've worked at four reason. people. I've worked four I'm people sorry. my whole life that do a lot of shit that doesn't make any sense. But like, <laughs> the... <laughs> I mean, the point is, is that somebody, somebody with the money to make decisions in this business has reached out to you guys because there's obviously a need of some sort. When you come in, you've identified the problem and then you say, here's what we need to do to resolve it. Uh, why, why, <laughs> why would someone drag or dig their heels in the mud to when you're the one trying to help them? The same reason that people have gym memberships and don't go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're calling me out now. You're calling me out on my bullshit now. Okay, I see. I feel attacked. Okay. I guess I guess that's a good answer. That does make a whole lot of sense. But um <laughs> what, what have you uh what do you see like as like change though? Like what are some of the companies that you've helped with? I mean, are you at liberty to say or or we're under a... non disclosures um, okay. for all of our companies. I pride myself on being able to hold that down. Now, will we celebrate our companies? Absolutely. And I market my clients often when they give us the ability to do so, but we're under non disclosure for most things. Have you ever had to come in and just like uh, clean house and be like, sorry, but this whole group here, they got to go. Like, No, you know what I have found, honestly, is that it's not the workers that are the problem. It's the CEO or the person in charge. Their leadership needs work, um, just needs to be rebuilt. A lot of people feel that because they're boss, they they have like a domineering thing that goes with them. And it's, it's just terrible. Um, I, I tell people all the time, be the boss that you want to work for. Do you want to be somebody, do you want to work for somebody that gives you an assignment and then an hour and a half later, they're saying, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a, that does make a lot of sense. But what got you into this sort of business in the first place? Did you have your own business and things like that that brought with it some kind of credibility to how you do things that makes them better than how others are? So I failed bad. Um, this complete, my entire company is based on me failing and 
This is me being completely honest. Um, the company that I have now, I started in 2017. And I went to flip. I want to do the whole real estate flipping thing, right? And I do flip houses now, but that particular house was an absolute failure. So I lost $100,000, Dustin. Oh, Jesus. In that flip. Yeah, it hurt my feelings bad. I was in the fetal position in the bathroom a couple of days, like straight. (laughs) Um, I I can imagine. For people listening uh, way into the future from now, Around this time, the average home today, the average uh, shitty home costs a hundred thousand dollars. That's a very recent change. Back in these days, the average shitty home cost about fifty grand. <laughs> and with the with the real estate in like it is, so we need to say probably adjusted for inflation. You're looking at probably by today's market and standards, that's a three hundred thousand dollar loss. At least 225, minimum 225. So, what happened? Yeah, it hurt my feelings. Um, Everything that could go wrong with that flip went wrong. It was just a money pit? It was was a money vacuum. It was what people say swimming pools are everywhere else but LA. Like, it was terrible. (laughs) It was terrible. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And so I lost $100,000 in that. And a lot of that was on my personal credit. So I was required to pay it back because it was on my personal credit. So after that whole debacle, I learned about business credit. And then I was like, well, if I didn't know about it, I'm sure there's other business owners that didn't know about it. So I started helping people get funded. And then that turned into... Well, people don't know how to build their company to get funded. So let's help people get their companies in order so that they actually qualify for funding. And then once that happened, people were like, well, what do we do with this money? Well, you hire people, get some employees. And that started. (laughs) I find when the moral of the story, a lot of times the money doesn't go where the money was intended to go. I'm not no. being negative, but I'm just saying I'm being real, like realistic. Like, uh, you remember when we bailed out all those banks and they all went on vacation and, and, and suddenly CEOs was getting all these bonuses and yeah. Yes, like I that. remember that. I think, I think a lot of that unfairly, in society, the when when people talk and, and interact with business owners and things, especially successful ones, I think a lot of that kind of stuff unfairly gets uh, stereotyped in with everyone. When really, that's not that's that's not the case. People people tend to hate uh, hate success for some reason, and that's with everything. Like that's with bands. That's what, especially, I know we have a music podcast that we do on the stream and when bands start finding themselves successful, well then, you know, God forbid anybody try to make any money. They start getting called sellouts and everything else. Uh, but they just did that with a company recently. Actually, I saw, um, it was a feminine hygiene company and 
everyone thought that they had sold the company, which wasn't true. She still owns her company, but social media just went to the left and was like, she sold out. Most people don't understand that a lot of business owners, the end goal is to sell your company. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that, that, that is definitely the, the end goal, especially in, I know in my family, they've done, uh, not, not me particularly, but like members of my family have worked in businesses and healthcare and things like that. They were never intending on keeping this company forever or anything like that. I mean, and, 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 and then in the end though, when it, when it does sell to somebody and it does become pri- public, publicly funded, it becomes most of the time. A, a, a lot better. They offer a lot better product than they did in the first place that got them popular. In because life. they have the the capital behind it. Because if you sell your company and they're offering you several million dollars, well, they also have several million dollars to put in R and D to make the product better. Yeah. What else? Uh, what else would you say that you've done to come in and help a business? What's one of the? Give me an extreme situation that you've come in and you've turned around. Or at least attempted to. I don't care if you succeed or fail in the story. I'm just interested. (laughs) So I had a, and this was actually a friend of mine. Um, They wanted to start like 14 companies at once. Literally. Um, Every other conversation that we had was, well, you got to do this. And you got to do this. And I I want to, first it was, well, I want to start this, this, and this company. So it was like. I want to start a clothing line and I want to start a, a, a real estate company. And then I want to start a, a, a beauty line. They have nothing to do with any, with each other, nothing. And so I was like, well, was this a celebrity? Okay. <laughs> was this one of yours a no. celebrity? <laughs> I didn't oh, know if you were hanging out with Kardashians that- or what. A hermit, actually. Like, they don't like people (laughs) at all, but they want people-intense businesses. And so then they were like, well, I want to start a networking club, and then I want to start this. And I was like, just focus on one. Just just... because you are being the worst jack-of-all-trades. And being a jack-of-all-trades is not bad. I know they have that saying, which is incorrect, a jack-of-all-trades, but uh, a champion of none or something of that nature. Master. That's what I always no. describe myself as. That's kind of what Yeah, I do. that that phrasing is wrong. That that's not even how the quote goes. It is completely different. But that's basically what he wanted to do. He and he never had any clientele. So he was just starting the start points, the ideas. He just had the ideas of it. And so eventually I got him to focus on one project. I was like, just focus on this one for 60 days and see what happens. And so he did that. He focused on the real estate and he was able to get a house under contract. And it's actually, and this is recent, it's actually on the market now. So um, the, he's having an open house next weekend. And oh, well, the, it's a good time to be selling the house. So, I mean, hopefully... <laughs> But he networked to the point where he found someone who just wanted to get rid of the house. So it's a hundred and something thousand dollars in equity in there. And it was less than $5,000 for him to get in the deal. But because he focused on that, 
and just took a minute and just focused on one lane he was able to come up with that now once he sells that house i'm pretty sure he's gonna try to divide into 15 other lanes instead of staying (laughs) in one but I did get him to stay in one lane for a second. <laughs> Long enough to turn a decent profit, it sounds like. Because that's Long pretty enough to good do ROI. That. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's pretty good. I mean, do you think that uh, do you think that you'll be asked to come along with the new uh, with the new venture once this one is over with? Oh, he can always call me to consult. I will send an invoice for that any day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. What do you think about, though, like, if you go further south, like, uh, where I'm from in Mississippi, you see all of these gas station, laundromat, taxidermist service, and hotels all in one building. (laughs) And, like, what do you, I mean, why, why, why do you think that that doesn't, get outside of the little hick areas that are because you usually you don't see those in cities you see those in like little townships and things like that why do you think that's a a thing that people have been successful with in the past so i think that it's just it's just tailored differently because in the the little towns it's all in one but in the big towns it's a virtual office they're still all there but it's different business owners or a group of business owners go into one building and put their individual companies in there. So I just think the marketing is different. So when you, uh, when you came back from uh, losing your, your first uh, big, uh, I hate to say failure, because I mean, it doesn't sound like it's that much of a failure. It was. Well, I mean, look at, look at where We'll call a spade a spade. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you stumble along the way. I mean, even the best. I mean, you can pull into the into pit row and get your car fixed and still win the race. Like, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I don't see failure you- as a bad thing. I feel that society makes failure a bad thing, and it's not. Failure is literally you figuring out something that doesn't work. It if it, it really really is a when it failure is a really powerful thing, and so. And I'm an example of that because that was a huge failure. Like losing $100,000 is a failure. But out of that came several successes. I became smarter. What happened in the middle there is what I'm trying to find out. um, In the middle of the, the loss. Between yeah, between between the time that this was over with and you were like, okay, I've I've just got to wash my hands of this and move on. And and then to where you started building up to where you are now, what occurred during that time? So stage one was was wound licking. There was <laughs> that was definitely stage one. It was it was the the feeling of defeat. Like that was that was definitely it. Then stage two was reflection. What could we have done differently? What was wrong? What did, where should you have cut the cord? And you knew you should have cut the cord, but you did not listen to yourself. And so I always, anytime I have any situation where there'd be a conversation, this, after this, there's going to be a period of reflection because I'm going to watch it and see, okay, well, I could have did this better. My face could have been like this. Like it, everything I reflect on and the, better you become at really just 
kind of being out of body and looking back at yourself, the better you get, honestly, for everybody. Um, so the reflection part is where the other businesses came from. Cause I was like, okay, well, why did this happen? Well, I didn't know this. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. How can we fix that? What knowledge do I need in order for this not to happen again? And so then I went down that brick road. And as I was down that brick road, I heard the whispers of, man, I need that. Man, that sounds great. Man, why didn't I think of this before? And so I heard the demand listening. And so then I was like, okay, well, it's a demand here. Let me do it. <laughs> so there was never a hesitation point to where you were like ah maybe i should go spend somebody else's money or absolutely that's what business credit is other people's money <laughs> all i want to do is spend that <laughs> that's fair enough because i mean like i never you know that makes a lot of sense because i mean i don't need i wouldn't even know how to go about funding uh, an operation like how do you know if you've got an idea or a business that is even fundable so right. it's not so much if it's an idea that's fundable every idea is fundable and and i know that sounds crazy but literally every idea is fundable if you go into our stores or if you look at some of the products that they're trying to sell us it should tell you that everything is fundable oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, like you can see, uh, you can see all kinds of products. I can think so, like poopery, for example. <laughs> they make they sell. It's an excellent product. <laughs> it is excellent. an excellent I love product. It. I love it too. But who would have ever thought at the point before right. it got on a shelf? Like somebody had to say, somebody had to sit down in a meeting, and I am sure that person was thrown out of many a boardroom <laughs> during that point before somebody said, "You know what." That is a good idea. Let's roll with it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, I went into a grocery store a couple of years ago, and I saw I was in the the dairy section, and of course you have all the cartons of eggs, and then you have the egg whites and all that. And next to it was a pre-cracked egg. It was one egg in a plastic container that you had to cut open, like the the containers that toys come in that is impossible. They they like fire it closed, and I was just like, so I have to go get scissors to open this. How is this saving me time? Because all it is is the shell is gone. It was yeah. just a yolk sitting in a a little bubble. I but somebody like thought that. that that was enough. To put it on a grocery, to fund it, to get it on a grocery shelf. Yeah. Now, see, that just pisses me off when I see stuff like that. <laughs> that just makes me mad. That And what was the one? Oh, I think it was oranges they've sold in appealing. And then they waste plastic to put it in. That that kind of, that just gets on my nerves. But <laughs> I said, I'm not mad at the person who who talked this up to where it became a thing or, or even more recently, Anna Delby. Anna Delby has been everywhere. And for anybody that's not familiar with her, she is an amazing, and I, I honestly can say she's brilliant. And she basically went into New York social society, like the higher ups and just 
robbed them blind. Seriously. They thought that she was a, a, a rich trust fund baby oh, and she yeah, was broke as a yeah. She lived at that nice hotel for like two years and Yeah. And, yeah, I don't now now I've I gotta say, here's here's where me being a common person comes into play. I love that story. I think that is great. I love it. I love that somebody came in and was able to bullshit these people that had way more inherited money and they knew what to do with it anyway. I hate when pe- stupid people have a lot of money. I, that's a pet peeve of mine. I, I don't mind stupid people. I just don't want them having money. <laughs> exactly. I feel that them deporting her would, is actually a downgrade for the U.S. because she's brilliant. Like, if you take that and put it into a positive environment, she could do some good for the country. <laughs> Oh man, I can't believe. Yeah, I, I, I do remember now that you mentioned it. I didn't remember her name, but oh man, I'm, and they're saying that wasn't even her name. Like she, like I don't know. There's so much to that. that... Anna Sor- Anna Sorokin is her real name, but she made the alter ego Anna Delvey because it sounded better. It sounded more upscale. Like the things that she got away with. Um, I watched the Netflix series and. <laughs> She was able to literally steal a private jet. I know. (laughs) Oh, man, that is so good. But I I was like, this chick is my spirit animal. (laughs) I feel bad. I feel bad. No, I don't feel bad for the people. I feel bad that I don't feel bad. (laughs) When this story, when I was listening to this story, like I felt I felt dirty. I felt ashamed. Who I was rooting for as I saw this unfolding. It kind of, I didn't because what is, I feel that this is what Big Pharma and the banks are doing. She just did it as an individual. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the people she did this to are the same people that are doing this to everybody else. So, I mean, they just got a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> That's really, that's really something. She, she forgot the the spoonful of sugar. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and you think though, man, like with that kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I hate to say gutsva, but <laughs> with that kind of, uh, oh man, a bit. What's the word I'm looking for? Kahuna. Influence. She has. She had yes. influence. She she had the ability to talk her way out of a pe- wet paper sack, and with that kind of gift of gab, uh, it almost seems like not working was more work <laughs> than working. Like like like, there's so much she probably could have done that would have been, and, and we wouldn't be talking about her, and she'd still be rich. <laughs> like there just seems like. She put way more effort into not working than she did into just being honest. <laughs> I don't know. She did. She really did put a lot of work into it. But I mean, it's a lot of work to be to to be in the company of those individuals. So she she really did her homework and was able to live well for several years off of them. I I, I kudos to her, honestly, and and not for what she did, but. The thought process that went into how she did it is what I'm kudoing. Everybody. I got you. I am not. I am not <laughs> co-signing crime. 
We're not championing <laughs> criminals. I mean, sure I am, but I don't I don't have a dog in this race. I don't care if I do or not. Like nobody nobody gives a gives a damn if I what I think about it. So but I mean so how would you help uh let's say somebody with that kind of reputation came to you and was like, Hey, look, I'm trying to go straight. Uh, I'm trying to go straight, Sam. I'm, I'm trying to get out of this life of crime. And uh, I need your assistance. What what kind of advice would you give them to try to? Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? To try to resolve the reputation that they've built for themselves. I'm sure I would have told her up. to do a joint venture. I would have told her to do if she had did a joint venture instead of doing it by herself. If she had joined forces with someone who had money and had them go to the bank, we wouldn't be. It wouldn't have been considered a crime. All she needed was a partner. So she would have had somebody to run in with her, like a, a, a fall guy, or would it have been legal then? No, a legal person. Like one of, she had a very powerful network. So had she just asked one of them to joint venture with her and did the, the, and she had the gift of gab. So her getting a joint venture, it was her ego that stopped her from doing that. Had uh, she partnered with anybody, she would she would not be in the position that she's in today. Yeah, yeah. Hubris gets everybody, I guess, eventually. That's oh man, that's 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 clever though. See, I, and how quickly you can just think of that. Like I, I, I would have been like, "Sorry, kid, you're screwed. You're blackballed for life." <laughs> uh, no, that is all, and and that was me watching the show. I was like, she has all these powerful people who want to partner with, who are asking literally, like they want her her input. All she had to do was get a in, one of them people to sign a dotted line to JV with her. Hey, you be the money, I be the the one that puts all the labor in, and everything would have been perfectly legal. Had she been less attractive, do you think that this would have worked? <laughs> Nope. Why do you think nope. that is? Even in business, like you never Honestly, see a millionaire. Be... You never see an ugly millionaire. <laughs> I, I and she. I don't want to say it had anything to do with pretty, and this is just my honest opinion. I don't think if she was any other, other if she was a man. Or if she was any other ethnicity, she wouldn't have gotten away with it. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> she I mean, would not have gotten as far as she got at all. Wouldn't have been glamorized at, then, at least. And not even a little bit. And she didn't exactly sound like a pleasant person to be around either. I didn't mm, notice that. No. <laughs> no. But even though she was not a pleasant person to be around, she had mystery. And see, that's something that, you know, feminine energy goes a long, long way. So she had mystery about her. And she seemed like she was one of those people that it just did not matter to her whether you were in her presence or not. So <clears throat> she really played her part as well. I'm a, I, I, kudos, Anna Delvey Sorkin. <laughs> Sorkin. <laughs> What do you? What kind of personality you think traits do you think a person needs to have to define themselves successful in in business world? So you know, I have a, I have my definition of success is doing what you want to do the way you want to do it. Mm 
So for every person, success is different. Some people, success for them is being a stay-at-home mom. That's a success for them. Um, for some people, it's running a Fortune 500 company. For me, it's being able to move the way that I want to move. So, and go where I want to go, travel how I want to travel. That's that's my freedom. So I think success everybody's success freedom. I mean, whatever your freedom should be. I mean, it's definitely success. What does what does freedom look like to you? To me. Well, this ain't it. Uh, um, first off, uh, I am certainly not a free man. Um, I guess to me, freedom would be, like you said, I'm kind of a, uh, I, I, I like to say that I am a gypsy who's been forced to take root. Uh, I like that. Um, Ah, that's a very, you're getting some deep stuff with me now. Hang on, let me get another drink of my beer. Maybe that'll loosen up the gums a little bit. I guess, I guess the ability to, uh, I would love to me success, no matter what it entails, would look to me like home for me is just a place to put my shit and, and, I don't necessarily want to be in my glorified storage unit every single day. To me, success would be, I wake up today and we're talking just like pie in the sky, really, really huge success for me. I wake up today and decide... Uh, you know what? I bet Italy's nice this time of year. I'm going to go check that out for a few weeks. And then maybe I get there and I'm two or three days in and I'm like, all right, this is boring. I'm going to see what Scotland's like. And if I don't like this UK thing, I'll just go somewhere the hell else. And kind of, and kind of like, want if a I, nomad. I do, I really do. I would love to give all of this up and, uh, just kind of drift wherever I wanted to. And, I don't know. Something about that has just always been a fantasy of mine. And I know there's no money in that. I guess I could, I could just quit my job and be a bum and, and uh, <laughs> let, let the follow the dopamine. <laughs> but I don't know. That's a pretty scary leap to take. So a lot of nomads are millionaires actually. Oh yeah. Um, I know. And they, you, they chronalize it like on YouTube or Instagram and, you know, get posts for that, like paid posts for that. Um, A lot and of those also, guys I just want to say inherited money. Not all of them. Because the internet is around, I know a lot of people who are nomads who make six figures or better. And they did not start out that way. They started out in a $500 apartment, just like I did. Yeah. <laughs> Those don't exist anymore, ladies and gentlemen. You missed that. <laughs> yeah, they, they really don't. And the thing is such as salaries aren't going up to, to match the increase. I'm actually looking to purchase a home right now just so my rent situation can be flat. <laughs> like, that, that shit's got I, to go. I completely understand. That don't mean I want to live in it all the time, but you know, they're, they're, I, I, I've, I've accepted that for me to be able to do something like that, 
I would need a certain amount of money to be able to do it comfortably because I also don't want to get shot in the hotels that I have to stay in. And right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not a camping kind of guy. So there would have to be some sort of luxury to this whole experience before I would even uh, consider it. And, you know, that's just, that's just to me. Uh, I don't know what that can do for me business wise. Like what kind of, uh, uh, thing I would have to find myself in to be able to make that happen. But, you know, you asked, I guess for a, uh, a realistic fantasy, that's kind of what mine is. I mean, but I think you have to have money to be able to do that. It depends. So I want to go back to your, your phrase of the glorified storage unit. I feel that that's a, a Gemini slogan. <laughs> Get me out of my glorified storage because <laughs> they never want to be at home. <laughs> I have I no beef with Gemini's. Y'all are creative beings, and I love y'all in creative spaces. So, <laughs> I've never but, been. Um, I've always been like that. I I used to get yelled at at my parents constantly because I was never home until I was made to be. Like school and, nights, and, yeah. Weekends, though, I didn't care if I slept in my car when I was a kid. I would go. I'd do whatever it took. But I wasn't happy at home when I I was a kid. Hey, we all have our happy place. Some of us are adventurers. Some of us are homebodies. I'm a little bit of both. I like to travel around, but I like to be comfortable when I get somewhere. So I am definitely a homebody. Um, my home has, if I'm not at peace at home, somebody got to go. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be me. (laughs) But I do love to travel. Like I live in Dallas right now. I'm in Atlanta and, um, next month I will be in New Orleans. (laughs) And so every, I, I, I feel that I travel and I haven't left the country yet since COVID and I'm itching, but I just don't want to go yet. I'm, I'm kind of, the U.S. can't stop me from moving state to state, but other countries can stop me from moving country to country. So it's just a little bit scarier for me that way. The best way, and this is for anybody who wants to become a nomad on no money, I'll tell you how to do it. You ready? All right. I'm listening. You got my attention. Yes. Go to countries where our money is more valuable. Hmm. You don't have to go to the UK. Go to the Philippines. You can get a four-bedroom, two-bath house for two weeks for $200. Hmm. What would you do in the Philippines? Does it matter? Yeah, that's fair. What about uh, getting there? <laughs> what about getting there? See, a I've lot. got a friend of mine it's that a travels co- abroad a lot. Uh, now Grant, okay. I, I use the word friend loosely. I actually can't stand this woman. She's kind of a gold digger and I hate her, but, uh, the, uh, the point is the way she's able to travel abroad a lot is because her, fa- she has family that live outside of the United States. And if they buy an airline ticket for her, it's two or $300. If she tries to buy that same airline ticket, from within the United States, it's two or three thousand dollars. Okay, so we have the internet. Make a friend overseas. 
find a <laughs> find a company that does that overseas or hire a virtual assistant that's overseas and ask them to buy the, the stuff over there. Like there's mm. so many different ways to save a book. Um, and then even if you do pay US prices, they now have companies where you can you can um put a ticket on layaway or you can pay it out in several different payments. So if there this world does not limit you on anything at this point. You limit you on anything at this point. There's there's a way to do everything. You can go to Cuba for less than a thousand dollars. You can go to Jamaica for less than a thousand and and be well. The Philippines. Um and, and I'm not saying just go to these com these countries that are like what people would consider third world countries. You can go to some really, really nice places where it's very inexpensive. Um Thailand you don't have to have a bunch of money. If you have, and, and and I understand, but right now with gas prices being $1,700 a gallon, yeah. <laughs> five grand is not a lot of money. But for five grand, you could go to three different countries and be gone for six months. Yeah, it's getting to where it's cheaper to fly. Exactly. <laughs> and not to mention that a lot of these companies a lot of these companies let people work remote. So find you a remote job where you can work anywhere because you're going to have to pay taxes as a U.S. citizen everywhere anyway. So just go and make sure you have good internet and enjoy the world. How do you acquire this knowledge? Because I've also have another friend of mine who has a podcast on this show, on this very stream. Everybody listening who is a fan of Guns and Radio knows my good friend, Rick Dunsford. And this man... A lot of people think he is, he must be a wealthy man because some of his exploits and his uh, dealings and things have come to light, uh, at least the financial side of how much money he spent on a few things has come to light. And I am here to tell you, he is not a wealthy man. He's okay. He does, he does okay. That's pretty good for a guy with a, a whole family and like three kids and shit. He does a lot better. Even when he was single, when we was kids, his kid always had money. How do people, <laughs> what is the frame of mind a person needs to get into to find that kind of way of thinking? Or is that just something that some people have and that's why they hire you? And some people don't. And I, well, that some people don't have and that's why they hire you. And then some people just have. Is it kind of like, I guess it's kind of, is it kind of like the gift of gab where you either have it or you don't? You can't learn it? No. No, it's adulting. Adulting is problem solving. That is what adulting is. That's why people be like, is ghetto here? Because all you're doing is solving problems. That's what a business owner is. It's solving problems. I put it as the, the best way to put it is your first apartment, right? Most of us do not have parents <laughs> that can help us with our first apartment. So we you did said it on it's ghetto, our own. and then you mentioned my first apartment. It sure was. <laughs> I made a lot of friends in that neighborhood, though, that I carry to this day. <laughs> and right, but you was also trying to figure out if you were going to eat today or put gas in your car so you could get to work and eat tomorrow, or yeah. if you were going to get a broom, or if you were going to use a piece of paper as your dustpan. Like we've all had that moment, right? Um, I, I, actually, it, I, I'll tell you, since statute of limitation has long passed on this, I'm 35 now. <laughs> I was 18 at this time. I had my own little entrepreneur moment at that time. 
I partnered what? with my next door neighbor who was the neighborhood weed dealer. And I was the only person who had internet. So I would take pornography orders from people in the neighborhood and compile DVDs and he would sell them with the weed. So he would, he would get an order for me. Internet was slow. It was, uh, it was not dial up. We were, we were just gotten out of dial up to where, you know, when YouTube, if you look at the old YouTube videos, how they're all crackly and crappy looking, that's what it was like. But like you go buy your weed and be like, Hey, uh, here, Dustin's selling some movies. You think you could, well, they didn't call me Dustin. They called me white boy. Uh, I hear white boys selling some movies. You think, you know, yeah, what are you looking for? And that was an embarrassing interview for people, but they, but, but it was a custom made thing. And that paid my bills. Uh, a lot That's of a heck of a package. I can't yeah. even be mad at that package. That's yeah. a heck of a, yeah, that's a that's, combo right there. I, I made $50 a week at my real job at the time. And uh, I was in college. I didn't graduate, but I was in college and I made $50 a week and I was the only person that had internet. Now, they did teach me how to plan for the lights to go out and things like that. There were times uh, I'd go through a couple of months without electricity because of a well-made plan. And some friends of mine showed me how to do that. That was knowledge I gained in there that I could take with me today if these gas prices keep the hell up like they do, but. I mean, yeah, I don't know who they think. I'm just <laughs> saying, but you figured it out. And then your second apartment, you didn't have to be so crafty at it because you were better at it. Everything is just about getting started. Once you start going down that that line, once you start thinking that was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how legal it was. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> the statute of limitation has passed. <laughs> That's all that matters. Yeah, the statute of limitation is long past on that. But yeah, I won't so, say his name, but he was he was uh he was a good he was a really like back then like weed dealers today don't have the same stigma that they have that they had back then. And he was feared by most of the neighborhood because he was a very large man and he carried himself a certain way unintentionally. And you just had to know him. Like you, he's quiet because he's quiet. He's not quiet because he's a bully. He's not stealing anything or he wouldn't be selling your weed. He'd be Debo riding around on his bicycle, taking the shit. Like he, he, and we had one of those in our neighborhood. So, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> this was a good guy, and this guy worked. He didn't just sell weed. Like he, he, he was gone. He would be gone for two or three weeks at a time because he would go down to the coast, and he found work down on the coast, and they put him on a bus driving down he'd work down there for two weeks he'd come home for two weeks and go back and forth and he sold weed while he was at home and like that was there's there's a lot of good people in shitty financial situations that you know and just have to find ways of making it so it's interesting though to yeah i just thought it'd be a funny story to tell you i don't know what that's gonna how that's gonna tie into anything to be to be quite honest but i mean uh, I guess that's an example no. of the mindset I've had. I've never really had that mindset since. But 
I guess you get comfortable too. Like you, you start taking other people's money and you accept your salary and you, you kind of get comfortable. What would you do to get out of the situation? Like so many people are wanting to, to, to be their own boss and things like that. No, they're not. They, they enjoy the idea of it, but they don't actually enjoy. It's kind of like marriage. People want the wedding. They don't want the marriage. Mm, that makes sense. So, so they want the they want the title of CEO, or they want to say, "Oh, I'm a boss." But do you really want to be up at two o'clock in the morning making flyers? Do you really want to wake up at six thirty and find out that the the event that you had planned today, the 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 event planner is sick, and now you have to figure it out? Like you don't want those issues, and that's what happens in real business. But people like the glam. They want to they want to be Instagram boss. They want to be like. Yeah. I did a bossy thing today, not knowing that it takes blood, sweat, and tears. Like the people, it is okay not to want to be an entrepreneur. It's completely okay. But because social media has made it so glamorous, everybody wants to be a CEO. I hate the word boss. I hate the word boss. My employees would call me their boss and I would correct them every single time. I hate that word. I'm not your boss. And then I'd point over at the office of that lady asleep behind her desk. I was like, you see that? That's your boss. <laughs> Has she ever come out of here and got on these phones when they were blowing up or sat in one of your desks and pretended to be one of you guys while somebody was sick? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not your boss. I hate the word boss. Always hated that word. It implies but that no, I do they nothing. Made it... And bosses you don't do, do shit. Bosses don't do they... shit. Leaders do shit. Bosses don't do anything. You you're right. You are absolutely right. Well, you're right. I, I mean, I, I I'm fine with the word leader, but I hate the word boss. That's almost insulting to me. Plus, people hate their boss. You never, you never hear anybody say, "Man, my leader at work is sure full of shit." I mean, <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. Hold on one second, my computer. Uh oh. Then came unplugged. Give me just oh, a no. second to plug that up. I'll be right back. Well, uh, while that's going on, um, we will say that. Uh, I'm back. Oh, okay. Well, well, let's let's go ahead and take this opportunity to talk about your book that's coming out. I was I, I was hoping I had in my notes uh, some things. We haven't plugged any of your shit. We haven't told anybody where to go if they want to contact you or anything like that. No, Number forty-eight we're minutes. We've in. Been, we're we're having fun, <laughs> guys. This is a fun, just flowy conversation. But my book, it's called "You Don't Know Sh- About Money." Oh well. Uh, that sounds like it would find its way on my bookshelf. When's it going to be available? <laughs> it will be available at the end of the summer. Um, we will actually, I, I'm looking at an August launch date and it's just going through what people don't know, how to start up side hustles, how to look at life insurance, how to set up proper trust accounts and life why insurance. wheels are not the way to go. That's the yes. thing that I've heard. I've heard that life insurance is a big way of getting funding, and I don't understand that at all. 
Would you like me to explain it? If 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 you if you if you have a, a way of going about it, yeah. Absolutely. So there are some life insurance policies where you can become your own bank. Okay. So what people do, and and this is a crash course, and for the people who understand this, this is going to be a magical moment for you. The wealthy don't pay taxes because they don't move their money to where it's taxable. Uh-huh. So if I have, let's say I go and I win big on the stock market, right? And I have this account that has $600,000 in it. And you can have life insurance policies the same way. You have a life insurance policy that has $600,000 in it. Well, I'm not going to pull that money out because then it becomes taxable. But what I do is I walk into a bank and say, hey, I want a loan. And here is this account for collateral. Ah. And I can borrow against that account without touching it. Okay. That kind of makes sense to me. Because like you and said, that I is how Elon really Musk. Yeah, that's how Elon Musk lives off of his stocks. That's how Warren Buffett lives off of his stocks. That's how Mark Zuckerberg lives off of his stocks. They go into a bank. They say, I have this many shares of this company that I want to borrow against. And the bank gives them that money. Loans are not taxable. You just pay them back. Huh, I did not know that. Hmm. It's not income. That is interesting. I guess I didn't know that. Then how do you... But there's different types of loans because like a student loan, for example, is one of the worst, one of the worst kind of debts you can be saddled with. I am lucky. It is the worst kind of debt. I'm lucky to have paid mine off. I think they, I think they took my money out of frustration. They're like, well, I guess we better take (laughs) something or this guy's not going to give a shit. But (laughs) like student loans are the worst kind of debt. Is there a thing people can do? to avoid student loans like is there is there yeah a, don't a, take them is there a hustle that you can get into before you get this education to the point that i think education is stupid i think it's a waste of money i think in this day and age with the internet i worked as an instructional designer for 4 years without any kind of degree and only because i was outperforming people uh who Let's, how do I word this without sounding like a, a son of a bitch? I was outperforming people who were in good with middle man. Upper management loved me. Middle management always has hated me. But um, I've had that way too. I don't know why that is. That like, upper management seems because you're making always... them look bad. Upper management is the one that's making the money. So when you're doing good, they're doing good. Middle management cares how you make them look. So if you're doing good, they look good. But if you're doing too good, they look bad. Can we not remove middle management? Like, why do we need them? (laughs) You don't need them, but the higher ups need them to run the companies because they're not going to do it. They have other more important shit to do. Yeah. It seems like you always find the shittiest people in those positions, though. Like, all the good, like... You find good people, like in my experience. Now, I've met shitty people. Yeah, like I, I've worked. Oh, no. um, I agree. In the past, for example, I've worked in government, 
And some of the politicians, some of them, you, you, I have this sense of people and I don't know what it is. I'm not psychic or anything like that. I think I've just been around enough shitty people to understand the body language or some kind of signal that I'm picking up without realizing it, that this person is to be avoided. And then you have people that are warm and welcoming and really are trying to do good things. And then, you know, like you put those people and then you've got all these other people here to gum up the works in the middle that nobody really knows what they do for a living. I don't even think they're a hundred percent sure. And, and that's usually where all your problems come from. I mean, there's got to be ways of navigating around that, but that has nothing to do with what you do and your, Actually, it does because I do leadership and team building. So if management is bad, that's poor team building and, and leadership. Is that why you're we're having a lot of hard times finding people to fill these jobs that are all open now? That's why it's such an employee's market now. A bad manager will make an employee leave faster than the workload will. If I have a good manager, I am more likely to stay longer just because I this manager has pulled the good out of me. Um, And that's why I say to a lot of people in leadership, less is more. I'm available to you, but you do you. Here's, here's what I want. You go do it and then come back and we'll discuss it and we'll tweak it as it needs to be tweaked. But less is more in leadership because People will show you their strengths if you're not micromanaging them. And what happens in my in middle management is that they feel that they they were the little person. So most middle managers were promoted. They they didn't come in the company as a middle manager. They started as an employee and then worked their way up. So now they feel that they have to prove that they are you know, leadership instead of just being leadership. Um, you don't have to prove that. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a part of, a, a man doesn't have to say that he's a man, right? A woman doesn't have to say, you don't have to prove you're a man. I can see the beard. I can see, <laughs> I can see the facial structure. You don't have to tell me you're, you're a male. That that's just in that's all. I don't have to tell my team that I'm a leader. They know because I lead them and I'm available to them for them if they have any problems. But I also give them the ability to work things out on their own, how they need to work it out. We all work differently. It is it's poor poor leadership comes in the fashion of everybody has to do things my way. No, they don't. Because what you will easily find out is that your employees are probably better than you at a lot of things. And that's the whole reason that you hired them is because they're better than you at some things. What do you think is something that somebody, I know that in my experience, since I've left, I, I, I no longer work in, in leadership at my job anymore. Uh, Congratulations. But it wasn't, it wasn't because I wanted to, I loved my team. I loved my job, but another opportunity came along that put me at the bottom, but gave me more money and I go where the money is. So I, I, I left, but, um, I, since my departure, many of my former employees have come to me like I can do anything to <laughs> complain about 
the direction everything has gone, the ones of them that are still there. And I know there's a couple of them that have years worth of experience and no kind of confidence that they can. I know a lady and let's see, how, how was it? I worded it. Cause it came up this Friday, actually the last day of work I was hanging out. I don't smoke anymore. I chew these nicotine pouches to uh, keep from Congratulations. it. But, well, thank you. It's hard. That's an addiction. I've never, quite conquered because I still be watching TV and somebody have a cigarette and I go, "Mm, mm, Oh, that looks good. (laughs) Like a fat guy when a Quiznos commercial would come on. Well, I'm also a fat guy when a Quiznos commercial comes on. So I definitely know what that's Quiznos commercial. Their old commercials were so fun. We like ourselves. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to sing the songs. I feel like people would tune out. Uh, But um, But yeah, like my problem is, is I told her, like she was talking about, and I heard, I over, I came in in the middle of the conversation and then people were looking at me because I am outspoken. That's a, almost to a fault, uh, that I kind of just say whatever. And I'm standing there because I went down to the smoke deck just to get some fresh air. I know all these people, these are the people I want to talk to. I don't want to talk to, you know, a lot of people. I mean. But, uh, so I'm standing down there and she gets done talking and talking herself down like she always does. And then people look to me like I'm supposed to respond. And so all I said was I'm not going to say her name, her abilities. And I think that what she doesn't realize is that what she is capable of and what she believes she is capable of are two vastly different things. And that was all I would say, because I've told her before the last time I actually got in trouble once for talking to her. I got wrote up because one of the managers overheard me because the last thing I said to her when she brought this topic of conversation up was, I don't understand how you cannot see yourself as smart enough to be able to lead here. Whenever, if you look around at management, some of the idiots they promote, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why you of all people, would not feel like you were in their league and yeah and you only got wrote up by the idiot that you were talking about i got wrote up by an idiot that overheard me yes i wasn't talking about her as a matter of fact uh the person that oh yes you were no i wasn't actually the person that ran paddled was somebody i admired actually is why i was comfortable talking this freely around I'll never do it again. Well, what, I've since seen her true colors. I, I will say this: you were talking to you were talking about them because if you weren't talking about them, they wouldn't have wrote you up. Yeah, that's true. I, I wasn't <laughs> intending at the time. I wasn't intending that. I, my intention was not to offend was was not to offend this person because, like I said, I admired this person, or I would have not been spending my unpaid free time in their presence. Because that's another and thing. If it was unpaid free time, how did you get written up? Well, there you go. That's why I think when my car is parked at eight o'clock in the parking lot, I have arrived on time. Because <laughs> I am on the premises. If I am not here and I am being and I am not being paid and something occurs on the premises that I can be reprimanded for then my presence on the premises 
is sufficient once I have stepped out my vehicle and placed a foot upon this property. And nobody and argued with me. <laughs> so is this, this is make me a bad... I am I a bad... No! <laughs> Tell me if I am. No. No, you're an entrepreneur. You're, you That's can how you feel. You can say, Dustin, you're an asshole. And I will pre- and I will definitely listen to this criticism. You know, but me saying that you're an asshole is not criticism. I actually like assholes. <laughs> what, do you think makes, <laughs> what do you think makes it so that people who kind of have that little bit of asshole mentality find themselves in successful situations? Is it a lack of empathy for when you have to do something bad? Because I always felt bad firing somebody. So when I have to have an asshole moment, because as a CEO, we have to have them. Yes, they're unavoidable. It's not it's not an action. It's a reaction. So what did that person do to cause that side of me to come out? I feel like it's a natural state for me that I put on nice, though, when I'm doing <laughs> I'm the opposite though. Like I'm like like right now you're getting me. You're getting me because I'm not at work. I'm at home. I'm in my playroom. I'm you know, I'm in my my space. But you know, and 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 and, and <clears throat> somebody to get hired onto my team, I, I I don't look, I don't give a damn about your education because I've already told you I think it's bullshit. You can learn it anyway if you've it got is. the internet. I look at can you it use is. the internet? If you can't, if you don't have a good education, do you know how the internet works? Okay, well that's that then. There's <laughs> only a couple of fields that you really need a degree for. Of course, if you're, you know, cutting people open, I think you should go to school. For that. I, I was just about to say <laughs> I would like for my heart doctor to have not learned this on YouTube, but the the guy that's patching up the hole in my wall, I I, I don't give a damn. The guy I don't care how you learned it. That's on my team. Why? Why do you think society, do you think society is going to move away from that? Do you think we're going to finally be forced to, especially with this workload, with this worker shortage? Because people are still refusing to interview people for these uh, thousands of available jobs because they don't Baby have boomers a- are refusing to interview people. So does that whole generation That's- just have to die? Is that what's going to have to happen? I mean, is that what's going to have to happen? And, and- this is me being an asshole. Yes. They don't want to let go. They, I, I feel that there's so much that they have packed under that we don't know about because they've been in control for the last 700 years. So they don't want to unpack that yet. So they just want to go out to pasture with us not realizing how bad it really is. And we're not going to realize the extent of it until they're all gone. Well, they didn't. See, that pisses me off. Because you you fuckers that are out there that are saying shit like, just go out and do it and stuff like that. Just go buy a house. I don't know why you can't stop being poor. You got to just work for it. You fuckers didn't have credit scores. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> that wasn't Or thing you bought a house months. when it was, twenty. your house was $25,000. And now you're selling it for two hundred and fifty. Right. Like you baby boomers were the generation that had the most leverage 
in wealth building. They had the most technology advancements in any era. They had the they they started the cheapest where labor was close where the cost of living was close to labor. Like the labor wages they've had the biggest advantages and then they create the biggest problem and so now they're looking at us like well why don't you and we're looking at them like um you know so how am i supposed to afford an eight hundred thousand dollar house on 15 an hour please explain so in a post reagan world you uh have you found a way to make it yourself? What What do you think is one of the things that a lot that you're seeing a lot of people in this post Reagan society aren't? What are, What is it that you're seeing that other people don't see when it comes to finding so- uh, the ability to to have that freedom? Um, number one is they don't know how money works. They don't know how money works. That's the main thing. That's the, that's probably one through three. If they knew how money works, works. if they knew how money works, they wouldn't be doing the dumb stuff that they do with money. Nobody would be going into a club spending 200 or $300 (laughs) on a bottle that costs 30 bucks. That's fair. Oh, that's fair. I mean, I don't do or, that. Well, Me and my friends don't do that. I mean, I, I am definitely the brokest motherfucker I know. But <laughs> nobody I know spends and, that kind of money. So. And that's a powerful position for you to be in. You're supposed to be the brokest person you know. You're supposed to be the least knowledgeable person you know. If you so, you're the top five, you're the combination of the five people that you hang out with so if you're the brokest person in your circle eventually you're going to become wealthy because you can't stay there because your circle will drop you i don't think they would drop me i mean they they've moved off i mean i have to travel to spend time with them but i would say they would drop well (laughs) when a drop is more so like i don't think they would do it you wouldn't be in their top five. They would you not wouldn't have be the their time. top five. Yeah. I think so, the situation may change to the point that they don't have the time for recreation and things like no. that. No. No. The well that's another thing. People who are who are lacking lacking mentality. They value money. People who are in a a prosperity mentality, they value time. It's a different mindset. Different mindset. Because money is just a tool. If I could if I could fly around the world with peanuts instead of cash, I would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 it, it, it's it's just the chosen value system that we put in place. But if if tomorrow they decide to say, "Hey, whoever has the most Gucci purses purses is the richest person in the world," because now that's our value of cash, then I would not be as wealthy as I am because cash is not is not valuable anymore. It's a tool. Then I'm gonna learn how to get Gucci purses because that's what's going to give me my time freedom. What do you do to put in what kind of uh 
fail safes do you put in place to protect yourself against inflation? Um, investing. And what do you know? Investing. What do you, you, how do you know what to invest in? I watch wealthy people. (laughs) That's, that's fair. That's fair. Cause I've often said that if I had an extra grand land in my lap, I'm going to go see what Nancy Pelosi is buying and buy that. Because the Nancy Pelosi find out what Warren Buffett is buying and buy that. Because Warren Buffett is the one moving the market. Doesn't he lose sometimes? Yeah, but it's calculated loss. Being my luck, I would find I would invest. He he would be needing to get rid of a couple of mil for some reason to keep out of prison or some shit, and then I'd be, be like, "Ooh, look at all the money he's dropping on Enron." junior here and but that's still not a bad thing see that's the misconception on the stock market you can make money on the stock market whether it's going up or down if you there are short sellers who make money completely on a stock falling into the toilet hmm how does that work so like so like short sellers you i'm sure some of you have seen what's going on with twitter um, and for those who see this a year or two now, from now, um, right now in the world, Elon Musk is trying to buy Twitter. And because he's trying to buy Twitter, their stock has dropped drastically. Um, I think it went down by like 22%. A lot of people made a lot of money from that drop. Can he not just go in and buy all the stocks that are dropping and take it over hostily? I mean, they're, they put fails. He attempted to do that, and the Twitter board stopped him from doing that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I didn't know they could control that. They can. It's not so much that they can control who buys the stock, but they can control how much access people have to the stock. So they can control how many shares are available out in the stock. So if they want to say, okay, well, we're only allowing for 49% of our shares to even be available to purchase, then you can't hostily take it over because you'll never get to 51%. Why would somebody block that though? I mean, from what I've seen, it's a a lot more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime. How the hell did, why? I don't understand. What do you think's the holdup here? Well, they- Give me this fucking money and let me retire. (laughs) Sure, Mr. Billionaire, here's a new toy. I mean, if Elon Musk, who's worth, who's the richest man in the world, came gave you a first offer, would you take the first offer or would you hold out and see if you could get more? No, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. If he's he's the richest man in the world, though, like, I mean, you could hold out with him and be like, "Mm, give me 51 billion. And he probably... He's probably adjusted for that in his first offer initially. Like, I mean, I yeah. Don't and how many? Nobody uses Twitter. I would definitely Twitter. try for fifty. Nobody uses Twitter. Nobody in the U.S. I mean, uses somebody it. does for for them to feel that it's forty four billion dollars worth. I mean, I have Elon 3, Musk 000, is not a dumb man. I have three thousand <laughs> Facebook followers just on this bullshit that I do here, and I have like two hundred Twitter followers, and in both of which are equally available to people. Nobody, nobody, it's hard to get people to follow you on Twitter and interact with you. 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of Twitter myself. I, I can't honestly say. But, I mean, things... I'm interested in it. I, I like it better. I like the platform. Personally, I think the platform is better than Facebook. I mean, you say what you got to say. You've got a certain amount of characters, so you can't bore people with not, with extremely long posts. Uh, I mean... <laughs> But extremely long posts on Facebook came from them doing market research and finding out that people liked extremely long posts and they would sit there and read them. Do you remember before Facebook would would collapse a post? Like now you have to expand it. But back in the day, it was automatically expanded and you had to scroll oh through God, somebody's yes. entire post. I remember in protest when I everybody was on Facebook and all of a sudden, I think it was 2011 or so you started seeing people posting these insanely long shits for no reason. And I remember it pissed me off so bad that I downloaded a PDF version of Moby Dick and then <laughs> copied and pasted it as a stack. <laughs> I think that was when MySpace was trying to come back because everybody had kind of got tired of those long posts on Facebook. So they kind of... The, MySpace, MySpace was had better. like a little, a little twinch. That yeah, MySpace was. MySpace better. was I, better than Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anything. MySpace was the best, and we abandoned it because all of our friends did. Yeah, we I miss Tom. I know. <laughs> I was one of the last people to leave MySpace. I just thought nobody was like, I just thought my friends didn't like me anymore. I was like, man, I really thought people, because I, 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 I'm outspoken about shit. I, I, I say whatever I want. And I remember <clears throat> thinking that, <clears throat> like, damn, nobody's me- answering my messages. Nobody's commenting on my stuff. I send somebody a message. They never even read it. I'm like, where the hell? Nobody likes me anymore. And then, like, I'm in school or something. Somebody taught me into joining Facebook. And I'd signed up for Facebook a long time ago and forgot about it because I was like, well, this is boring. Fuck this. And then uh, something got me to log into my Facebook account for the first time in, like, two – I think it was, like, two or three years. And I had, like, 800 friend requests and, like, 2,000 unread messages and (laughs) – and I was and like, you became look, you became the person you saw on my space. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what happened. All my friends went here. So I went over because that's where all my friends were. Wasn't the thing to do. Can't what talk you do? about yourself. What would you do? Um, what would you say to somebody that has like a company like that that had its glory day and it's since fallen and wanted to try to regain it? Would that be a just sell it and move the hell on or or was there a plan that you could put in place to try to regain that popularity uh that's a tough one because a lot of people feel that their business is their babies but and this is going to be a harsh answer to a lot of people kill it and just build it again under another name because it's easier to build something that nobody's heard about than it is to kind of revamp something that people have already abandoned. So, like, you, it, it, you, yeah, it's harder to change people's mind or change their opinion than it is to give them a new one. I can make, I can see that. People are yeah. people are odd. Like, though, we are a very bizarre creature. We <laughs> we are. <laughs> we we really are. Like, um. 
Newspapers, for instance. Newspapers went out. Like, nobody does newspapers anymore, right? In fact, the only reason I think that some of them still exist, for real, is baby boomers. Um, A lot of when that generation finally goes on, um, I feel that landlines and newspapers are going to just go away completely. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, landlines, like, honestly, they're landlines. The are only so reason I feel ridiculous. yeah, I feel the only reason that landlines are still here is for like rural rural areas, like the absolute middle of nowhere. And baby boomers. That's it. Because they're the only ones who still have landlines. I do not call any of my friends right now on a landline. Or if it's like, a, even if you know how some of the, the cable companies try to bundle it together so you get phone internet. Nobody yeah. plugs a phone up to it. They just bundle it because it's cheaper to have all three than it is to just do two. Yeah. And it's just sitting there. I remember Nobody that actually I uses moving. it. My friend, uh, I have a friend of mine whose grandmother is a uh, a wealthy a wealthy lady, and um, I don't know what happened, but she was something was happening. She she was complaining about her phone bill because she was paying nineties rate long distance in two thousand and thirteen fourteen back then. I forget that it's not like 2016 now, but she was paying like 25 cents a minute to talk to her sisters and shit in Chicago. And I was like, why, why are you paying this? Like, this is ridiculous. If you just had a cell phone. So, and I was like, they don't even charge this much anymore. So I looked at her, she brought her phone bill out to show it to me because of the interest I was taking in it. And sure enough, like her phone bill was like four or $500. And I was like, would you like me to fix this for you? And we, we, she has since summoned me for a few of these bullshit phone calls. And I am her uh, personal assistant. I am Mrs. I'm not going to say your name. I'm Mrs. Whoever, personal assistant. My name is Dustin Burchell. Uh, of course, she has to get on the phone to verify me. And so I was like, I was going through her expenses today. Cause she, she's, she's old school. She sits down at the table for like three hours paying all of the bills by check. And <laughs> I'm, I'm looking through this thing and I'm like, I noticed her phone bill while we were doing was this much. Can you tell me when this plan was enacted? Well, yeah. So she started in 1990, whatever. It's like, ah, great. Now, if, if, if Mrs. Smith were able to, uh, were a new customer starting a landline, phone i don't believe this would be the rate she would be paying am i correct in that assumption you're like no a new customer would be ah (laughs) here we go now we're getting somewhere so anyway because of the fact when she i've worked on the inside of one of these companies for her like she she i worked for a company one time that provided a service for her not going to say what but she had an account with them and she asked me to look something up on her account and see if she qualified for something. And I looked it up as per her request, and I saw that she was a five-star customer. They they weren't legally supposed to give star ratings to their customers, but ba- but they did anyway. And, of course uh, they did. And basically the instructions on her account was if she calls in, she is to get whatever she asked for for free without any kind of uh, hesitation. And... I I told her this. I was like, well, and so it turns out she's never missed a payment on anything. 
So I have a, I had a feeling that when, you know, we would go check out her landline, that there would be a similar situation. So I called and I did the situation and I set her up and I was like, now let's talk about the past several years where she's been paying this amount. I don't believe that's fair that this policy has been enacted and that this customer has been paying this ridiculous price. Would you agree? And it's like, well, we can't do anything, but for the last three months, so we can refund the last three months. Yes, we can. Well, thank you. We will accept that. I was just being a dick now, just trying, trying to get her whatever, squeeze whatever little bit I could get out of this orange. And yeah, man. Because they the had squeezed whatever they could out of that orange. Because that's. Yeah, because of that, now her bill is like, I think $70 a month. Because she still wanted a fax machine, but, you know, to each her own, I guess. So I was able to get it from, seriously, two or 300 to about $70 a month on a flat rate. And uh, because they believed I was actually her personal assistant considering buying her a cell phone. <laughs> so I yeah, see that exactly was... what you mean, man. What other businesses And see, that's like not that? illegal. That's not illegal. Them charging her when their rates have changed over and over and over again is not illegal. Somebody should have called her and said, hey, we see you have this archaic plan. That's like me going to T-Mobile and they trying to sell me a plan where minute, I have minutes and yeah. it's free until free after, <laughs> after 9 o'clock. Oh, yeah, it was 9, wasn't it? Oh, it was 9. I remember <laughs> You I remember, had to pay extra to be free after six. <laughs> I remember in high school, I had a phone in my bedroom because my dad got a separate phone line for the internet back in dial-up internet days. And uh, I had a phone that connected to it. So when everybody went to bed, I had my own phone at night that I could call the the ladies on after nine because they all had cell phones. And my family is very backwoods, redneck. <laughs> and uh, don't nobody need no damn cell phone. It's 2020, it's 2002. Nobody's using cell phones. Well, you know. So, I mean, I'd call the girls on their cell phones after nine and uh, on my landline, my number there, so I didn't have to worry about mom answering. I right. Remember those days. What That's other businesses are like that that, that we have since taken for granted that somebody could. Cause, but see, that's another thing is my friend's grandmother. I love her. She's the sweetest. She's either an, we always say she's either an Android, an alien or an angel. And we can't figure out which one it is. Cause for some reason, this is literally the sweetest, nicest human being. She's sweeter and nicer than my own grandmother. And my grandmother, I always thought was the nicest person in the world till I met his. But she, like you say in your book, she don't know shit about money. She's just accustomed to it being there. Um, and a lot of rich people are that way too. I don't well, think the bosses know anything about money. Her husband knew a lot about money because they they were dirt poor, and they acquired their wealth uh, before his passing. And they're set up on old war bonds. Ooh. That's a, yeah. <laughs> That's that's something that's not going to be a thing anymore someday. So, like, you know, there's, you know, At like all. I said, her husband obviously knew that, you know, something about money. But unfortunately, she doesn't. And I'm not going to say that I do. I just knew that a fucking phone bill should be 
this much. What other services? For one person. Are, yeah. What other things like that do you think people spend an extreme amount of money on and then they don't even realize that like to the average person, maybe not that extreme of a situation, but what do you think would be something like that for the average person that they need to take a look at on their expenses and say, wait a minute, I've spent way too much money on this bullshit. Cable is definitely one. Um, Absolutely. Anybody who is still paying for cable is crazy. Um, Not me. <laughs> especially when it's like $200 a month. Like, what are you doing? You can get everything between who, even with the price increases, you can still get every movie you want to see between Hulu, Netflix, and Prime for 60 bucks. Yeah, and they don't have uh, commitments like cable does. Like, if you sign up for a cable package, you have to keep it for like a certain period of time. You can cancel Hulu and go to Netflix. I bounce shit. I bounce between Hulu, Netflix, HBO, and Disney Plus and Peacock. I bounce between those five. I never have more than one of them at a time, but I bounce between those depending on what's coming out. I mean, exactly. And, and that's the way. And then your that's virtually nothing. Like I just have it because I have nieces and nephews that's always at my house, but I really don't watch TV. I have TV for background noise, like if I'm working on something. So I'm more of a reader or, you know, listening to podcasts and YouTube videos about how to be better. Um, so definitely cable is one. Um, I'm food the same way. is another. I, I, I find People myself spend- turning on the, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the hearing Im- or the visually impaired setting. Yeah, the the captions because you no. catch stuff that you wouldn't catch if you're reading it. Well, no, 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 not the captions, but like where they like they they provide a narrator. Like John walks into the oh, room and stares. At yeah, like I I use that the the feature for blind people all the time to turn my TV shows and movies into podcast form so I can do something else while they're playing in the background. So I know exactly. That's dope. What you mean? <laughs> yes. So, food is another. Like, we spend way too much money on food. And now you're talking my language. <laughs> now you're getting in a position to actually help me save some money. So, I better shut up and listen. Yes. Like, people should budget their food. Um, And that's get stuff. Go shopping for a, what you really want to eat so that you're not tempted to go eat out or get a meal prepper to make meals. And I know that sounds crazy, but delegating can go on all shapes, form, and fashions. When people sit here and say, oh, well, I don't understand why they have somebody cleaning their house or doing their laundry or, you know, cooking their meals. It's because that frees up our time. We, you, we're using the tool of money to free up our time, which is more valuable than money because we can't get it back. Yeah. I've always said that. I, I, yeah. I get so much less mad if I waste money on something stupid and I realize I've wasted my money. I get so much less mad than if like watching a movie that was stupid and you want your two hours back. Well, I'm talking about like, you know, like most of my friends don't live in the city I live in anymore. They've all 
gone away. But like, you know, like if I go to, we make a commitment that we're going to go to St. Louis and spend time at Barvino or something. And then I go all the way out there and I, nobody shows up. (laughs) I could have been doing something else. Like something else. I feel like time is the only asset that I have that I have any grasp or control over sometimes and you know like wasting my time pisses me off so much worse than wasting my money i'd rather you show up and i pay the tab than you not show up at all yeah wasting my time is my biggest pet peeve you're wasting my life like i look at it, it it's literally that serious you're wasting my life that's time that I can be spending with my family, that I can be spending creating wealth, I can be spending creating relationships with people who actually want to show up. Why are we here? Why am Even I having here a good nap? <laughs> a nap is not a waste of time. <laughs> no, it's not. A nap is not a waste of time, especially when you work uh, like. When you do these kind of podcasts like I've done, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to talk, I'm going to call out some of my guests that didn't show up this week right now. And they're going to be pretty pissed off. I'm not going to say anybody's Ooh. name. I, I have, uh, my calendar was completely, I think I sent you the link for the calendar. Didn't you make your own schedule? Cause I had to, cause I didn't have any, the time zones and things became overwhelming. I had too many people reaching out to me wanting to be on this show and everything. So I had to make a calendarly thing, which I got with another podcaster. And he uh, was kind enough to spend some of his, an hour of his time as a former guest on one of my shows, as all this dude knew me from Adam to show me how he manages his things and give me some advice so i took his advice and i started the calendarly thing well my calendarly got booked up really fast and um i didn't have i didn't do shit this week because every day i had somebody scheduled to be on this show we haven't done a show since last saturday nobody showed up and that pisses me off one of them got advertised and i'll never work with her again but that, 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 that royally pissed me off because of the time I could have spent with, with you. We could have done this on Wednesday. We could have uh, taped the main show that's going to be a best of tomorrow when it airs because we didn't have time to tape it. And there's so many other things because everybody's canceled at the last minute. Wasting a person's time is, is, is a very cruel thing. It fucking rob me. Take my money. I, I can make more of that. Don't fucking waste my time. I have one of my um, one of and I think of her as a friend and a mentor. If you do a no call no show on one of her appointments, she'll never work with you again. Good. Like that's that's it for her. Well, fucking good. Which should be. And it's all these life coaches. You are the only, you are the closest thing to a life coach. It's all these life coaches that are the ones that are standing me up. So next time I post, I'm going to say no life coaches. (laughs) Normal ass people only. I respect you for showing up because it seems like you live by this thing that you're preaching. And because it's my pet peeve. So if, if something is your pet peeve, you can't do it to other people because you feel that you're projecting that same thing off on them. 
I know that there's a thing. My uncle is a serial entrepreneur. I don't know if he would appreciate me mentioning his name on this show, but uh, it's the Dustin Burcham show. So if you know enough about business, I'm sure you can put these two together and figure it out. It's not that he doesn't love me. It's just that I am a riffraff and (laughs) not in his eyes. He's never. Those are the best people. He's never said that. He's he's a socialite, and I am not. But I love him. Nonetheless, I admire him. I respect him. He is my hero. And I've never said any of this. Would probably never have the balls to say none of that to his face, but he's not listening to this bullshit either. So uh, anything I put. Uh, he has a saying that he uses frequently when he's – what's the word I'm looking for consulting because he works with people who inspire to become entrepreneurs. He created, okay. I'm just going to tell you, he created a, he found that there was a gap between college and employment. So he created a institution that takes people out of college and places them with companies in certain internships that are at a higher level than what the normal internship would be. And then their class assignments, their class assignments are he gets with the business and finds out what the needs and what they're working on that week. And then the class assignments for that individual are catered to and scored and graded and stuff based on their performance at work and what the business needs. It's it's and and He won a lot of awards and things like that because of that. But one of the things he said a lot was if you're shiny and I'm quoting now, so this is another thing that's going to probably link us together. (laughs) But if your shiny object does not make money, then it is art. Don't try to put it, hang it on the wall, but don't try to make a business out of it. I take issue with that because all of my shiny objects are, are, are podcasts and art forms that, that I've seen other people make money off of, but I have accepted the fact that I am not going to do that. So I, it gives me a certain freedom also. But um, what do you think about the artists out there? Like a lot of people, like with Etsy shops, there are some people that make... Um, art as they're living and can make that out there. But there are people who are discouraged that their art is not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Marketable. Is there some kind of advice that you can give like to the artist type of person to find a way that you can monetize that art form? Like maybe they're not decorating cups or something like that. Maybe they're mural painters or something like that. There's a market for you. You just have to find it. What is the mindset it's, 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 that you need to find? What What is the key to finding that and being able to apply it to your trade as opposed to uh, one of the examples I've mentioned? Because the examples I mentioned are just the ones that make money. Yeah. So, again, everything is profitable. Somebody wants what you have. Um, it's just about putting yourself out there, whether you're comfortable or not. The it's not the fact that it won't make money. There's a woman out here who is selling farts in a jar for a thousand dollars a pop. <laughs> what you have is going to make money. You think she's farting in jars or selling empty jars? 
It's an empty jar. <laughs> I, I don't care what you <laughs> She ain't even opening these jars. She like she's just saying she did. Um, unless it comes with a video of authenticity that shows you that she did it. That is true. But see, men can't do this in reverse. Nobody would pay for my farts at a job. What am I going to do? I can't make thirst traps on TikTok to sell these jars. Hey, ladies. Women are... Men will pay for any fucking stupid sexual thing. Women that do, men, women are so much smarter on that aspect than men are. Men will buy some stupid shit. They'll buy dirty fucking panties. Like, you never realize, like, if you're a fucking hot chick and you're successful, you'll never have to wash your underwear. <laughs> no. No. It's, you just have to know how to sell it. Yeah, women might not buy into you. But just like there's a trend on TikTok where there's like, guys, you want to know what's sexy? And then they'll go take out the trash or they'll go uh, <laughs> wash a dish. Take your shirt off and go wash a dish. And now you're sexy. You so my success, in this new, my success <laughs> in this new world is to be a trophy husband to one of these women selling the empty jars. That's what I need to do. That's where... <laughs> That's where my hopes are. You know what? I'm fine with that. I've always looked at the trophy wife and said, man, that's what I want to do. Get paid to look pretty. I'm just saying. There's a lot of people who just don't, who think that the house just shows up. I've seen podcasts about that where men are just like, well, I could just hire somebody. Yeah, you could. But, I mean, I'm bringing in someone that's not only catering to you as far as what you need in everyday life but i'm catering to you as far as what you need emotionally what you need to hear to keep you going the next day like your housekeeper ain't gonna do that yeah she'll be like hey is my check here okay yeah that's you're not gonna be able to vent to her yeah so it's it, it anything that you sell you just have to find how to sell it to people because somebody is out there that wants to buy it and depending on how what you think that it may be some of the art pieces that I see that sell for fifty million dollars are crap. They're they're absolute crap. It's but somebody went, yeah, somebody went and was like, "Oh, the burnt umber on this is just flawless. I want to give it ten million dollars." No, they didn't. They paid to give ten million dollars so they can have this item that's now worth ten million dollars that's not being taxed for ten million dollars. Like that's that's a that kind of art is a scam. Like I'm well aware of how that scam works. I just don't. I I, I just hate it because I don't have the money to buy into it. Right. <laughs> so I I just feel that in this day and age, I think there's enough products and services out there where you can see that people are going to pay for anything. People pay for, just like people pay for massages, people, like you said, if you're a, a pretty lady, you never have to, you can buy new underwear every day and get <laughs> 10, 10 more bags of underwear bought for you from one person. So it's a market for everything. Everything. I'd love to work for that girl because all you'd have to, be... have to do is go to go to Goodwill, buy the underwear there, put it in the envelope, and ship it out. 
<laughs> and the, what was crazy was the girl who sells the jars. She actually was telling how she keeps up with demand. Like she's like, yeah, I get bean burritos, and you know, make sure Pepto Bismol is always in the house. Like, come on. No, you don't. Or you would be. You would look like me. <laughs> I eat bean burritos. Like- you are vegan. <laughs> I eat the microwave burritos. <laughs> it's a it's a hot mess. I swear, but yeah, the the problem is people don't want to hear no to the point where they get to the yes, and the people who are successful don't mind the no's. Um, when I teach sales classes, I tell people that your success goal is in the no's. So instead of making a yes goal, make a no goal. How many if if my goal for today is 10 no's. So if somebody tells you yes, it doesn't go towards your goal. What does that achieve? You keep going. It's like building a stamina to it or endurance? Yeah. So my first, the when I really learned this, because I heard this before, people were like, the no's are the way, the no's build character, the, yes, the yeses build wealth. So I worked for a pest control company. I worked in their call center. So I literally was sitting there all day long being told, no, I'm not about to buy a $500 package to get rid of these roaches. But I made more money than I had ever made before because I kept hearing no every day. So yes, didn't. Of course, yes paid me, but I got so good at getting the yes. So it's, it's a scale. So it's about learning the nose are what's yes, the nose are up here, and as you learn, they do this. So if you set a no goal at first, then you're you're setting yourself up to to get a different mindset. So if someone tells you no, you're not like, oh man, I don't want to go to the next call. No, you're like, yes, okay, I got one no down. Let me go get the other nine. Okay. I'm or if you get that yes. You'll be like, okay, well, I got the yes. I'm not going. Well, I guess I can quit for today. No, you still got four more no's to go get. I got you. That makes sense. Because I mean, in a way, you'll probably get. You'll probably make a sale somewhere along the way if you keep going. Like, and and you're not discouraged by the no. It turns it into a positive thing into a, instead of negative. That is the goal. So people, especially men, men are goal oriented. That's how you you function. So if I tell you, hey, go go tell me, let let's say, hey, Dustin, can you please go see if ten of those people will tell you no to this to this soap product? And it's ten dollars. Okay, I'll go, hey, you want this soap? You want this soap? You you do want this? Are you sure you want this? Like you'll start selling them out of it. Like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. See that's 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 I, I, I was thinking that man, what a fun assignment! I've got this new skunk fl- skunk flavored soap <laughs> made out of real skunk oil. Smell it, right? But somebody but like then, the Adams family be like, "Oh my god, I've been looking for something like." <laughs> yeah, but then you know, like you said though, somebody's gonna be like, "Ooh, a gag gift! I can sell. To, I can give to my uncle. I don't like for Christmas." Right. Oh, that's brilliant, though. That does make a lot of sense. I guess at the end of the day, what the goal is, maybe not necessarily to get a lot of people to say no, but just to keep you to keep going beyond the the, the mediocre success that you found and to continue on forward it, towards 
actual success? It is it's looking at failure in a positive because failure is positive. It's a it's just a stepping stone to success. It really is. Um I tell I, I have a couple of friends who are not at the level that I'm at. And so they'll be like, yeah, but you do this. I was like, I promise you, I fell at something every day. I may not have been on time for something. I may not have gotten something done, but every day I have some sort of failure and I'm okay with that. But how many successes did I have in getting that failure? I got you. It It, it is what it is. Do you find that um, it impacts your personal relationships in that negatively when that does occur? Like you do have start finding that kind of success? Mm, I I can't say negatively. I feel that people have their seasons. Some people's seasons is longer than others. Um, And when you try to force somebody to stay past their season, it's going to be, it's it's not a good thing anyway. This is what I tell every woman that falls in love with me. (laughs) (laughs) let's not go that route it's it's only gonna end badly it's it's just gonna be bumpy so yeah i don't see it as negatively affecting my relationships because the relationships that have fallen off have been replaced with more with more fulfilling relationships for the for the person that i am now so that relationship may have been for who I was five years ago, but I've outgrown that. So now I need someone who's in the place I am now, in the space I am now. I got you. That that does make sense. Did it, did it, was there a, what's the word I'm looking for? Was there a, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Was there a time when, you were moving it where you found that this turnover was higher at a certain point than it is maybe today. Absolutely. So when you first get serious about your entrepreneur journey and that's all you're thinking about, like when you're in that steam engine and all you can talk about is your business, you're going to drop people. People are going to fall off. And then when they start seeing you get successful They're going to try to creep back in because they feel that they can get benefits from that. And they're, and you know, that's why they're back and don't let them back. Um, But people are going to fall off because they, and it's up to you sometimes to let that go because they'll get backhanded compliments. Well, like, well, okay, I hope you, you know, are successful with your little endeavors. Why is it a little endeavor? I'm telling you, I'm be a millionaire. What's little about that? Yeah, and I, th- I think sometimes there are things. I read a thing somebody posted that just kind of irked me because it was like sometimes people just don't know what to say. Like, like I, I read "must be nice" as a hater statement. I don't think that's a hater statement. I think that's it not intentional. Not intentional. <laughs> Not intentionally a hater statement. Like it's an envy. It's an envy. Uh, Definitely envious statement. But I don't think it's necessarily a hater. Like I know when I see my friends succeeding at things and making a lot of money, 
I'm I'm like fucking excited. Like I'm not getting shit out of this, but I'm genuinely excited. Like my best friend, uh, one of my best friends. I have a lot of people I call my best friend. Well, I have about three people I call my best friend at any given time. <laughs> but they they all someday when I conquer the world and en- enslave mankind, as I, as I dream about doing, these will be generals in my army. <laughs> They will share my giant please, castle gray skull next to. <laughs> please count me in on that one, okay? I, I need oh, to be sure. on the pro side, not to. <laughs> I, I'm gonna need a consultant. The first part of world domination is not letting anybody know you rule the world. Like, you gotta have that fall guy. Right. So if he gets assassinated, you can just put somebody else in there and they, then blame him. Uh, <laughs> that is super facts. <laughs> we we used to that's get, money one on one too. I mean these are these are stoner conversations we've had. I've got some really good ideas, uh, and I've actually made money before from sitting around with people getting stoned and talking about. Man, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get me lay out the plan and be like, you know, minus the fact, and then get to thinking about it sober later. Because even Charles Dickinson used to write write his quote. I think it's Charles Dickinson is write drunk and edit sober. And right, <laughs> I, I I completely listen. Um, audience, please do not underestimate the power of marijuana. Okay, and that is the only one I'm going to say. I don't want to know what the power <laughs> of any other ones are. I don't need but any other that ones. particular one. That yeah. particular one, some brilliant things can happen on that if you just let it flow. <laughs> we would not be here today. Listen, I found. My podcasting has been going on since 2009, and nobody even started listening until 2000, and till till right before COVID. So, oh wow! I, Congratulations on the the stamina, and listeners, please hear what he just said. He went a decade, a yeah. decade of podcasting before he had some sort of success. See, that's the problem. People always have short-term in mind. They want microwavable results. Nobody wants to go for the long haul. Nobody wants to go for the 30 and 40 years. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking of the, the 30 and 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, this what is can the I do fourth, next week? This is, I, I probably shouldn't be telling this. It might hurt my branding. This is the fourth time that I've launched the Dustin Bertram show because I couldn't think of another name for this show. So... <laughs> That's not hurting your brand. That's telling people your dedication. Like I will, oh well, he fell off and he came back. Like he's he's going to make this happen. So no, for people who don't understand what this life is like, because sometimes you have to walk away. It's the two most important things in entrepreneurship is a making sure that you are actually paying attention to what's going on in your business, like the market, but B is mental health and and self-improvement. Half of my conversations with fellow entrepreneurs is how are you doing today? How is everything going? Do you need to vent about something? Me and my friends actually have vent stops. And I know we probably wasn't talking about mental health, but it's a huge part of entrepreneurship because it is a very taxing thing. Um, especially the bigger you get and the more money you get, you have to maintain that. And then you have more people who hold you accountable because you're thinking, oh yeah, I won't work a job. And 
you know, I'll just be out for me. I have a staff of 12. That means that 12 people are, their kids count on me to make sound decisions so that they can eat next week and so that they can put clothes on their back. I can't just willy-nilly do things because it makes me feel good. I have 12 people who are counting on me. And that's long-term. I don't want them to go anywhere because my team is absolutely amazing. Um, they do, like, Dustin, I wouldn't know you if I if it wasn't for my team. We would not be here if it was not for my team. I didn't set this up. My team set this up. Right. So, and so it's about the long term. But in doing that, sometimes you have breakdowns and sometimes you have to take time away and you have to take time for yourself my friends and i have a if i if i call my friends event one of our questions is are we solving this right now or are you just getting it out do i just need to listen or am i helping and sometimes you just need to vent it out you already know how you need to fix it but it's a bitch <laughs> i know bitch is very helpful I say all the time, bitching is very healthy. I get now. I'm I'm known for my bitching, <laughs> but it is very healthy to be a bitching all the time. Like I guess not all the time. At some point, you know, you you're, you're going to want to take it take action. But getting it out, like getting the frustration to the so that you don't just like throw the keyboard against the wall and have to buy a new computer. Like get, getting it out is very important. So I do. Uh, I do understand that. Do we need to? Do we no, need to be coming to a close? Okay, cool. Um, but uh, yeah, that does make a make a whole lot of sense. What do you do to maintain that? Because I know, like, I can find myself in a situation where, um, like, maybe I get an idea going. And then after a while, like maybe three to six months in, may not be so keen on this idea anymore. How how do you know before you get into something that a year, two years down the line, you're even going to want to be fucking with this anymore? Like you don't. You what don't. Do you do to stay there, to stay in that ability to keep it exciting, to keep it. Uh, your dream job that you've created, how do you ensure that it is still your dream job later on down the line? So you're going to evolve with your company and it's your job is not supposed to stay the same throughout the life of your company. So it, the reason you got bored is because your job stayed the same for too long. Mm. When you begin a company, chances are you're, everything in that company so you're the the accountant you're the the customer service you're the janitor right you're your accounts receivable and accounts payable but as you grow you should be which one do you hate the most <laughs> for me it's customer service i hate the phone i absolutely yeah. hate being tied to the phone absolutely hate it so the first thing i that when i hired guess what i got rid of first i got you it, it had to go. That made me enjoy my position more because now I don't have to answer phone calls. <laughs> what, what about when you get to a certain level where something that you really enjoy doing, like maybe you enjoy graphic design and that's the part of the job you love, but now the company has gotten too big and you just don't have time to to dedicate to it, to, to bring it up to the standard that you've uh, you've set for it. 
And so now you have to get rid of something you enjoy and, and, and now, but now you're stuck in a board meeting with all these investors that you hate and listen to them dull on about their yachts and their kids and, or grandkids, let's be real. And, and now you're miserable. <laughs> like, how, how do you, I guess I'm just, a, I, 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 I try not to be a negative person. I really do. No, these are, these are realistic man. questions. Maybe I'm just, I, I, maybe I am just naturally a grump, grumpy old man. No, these are real questions. So, and that's possible. What was the end game of your company? And why do you find yourself here? Because I'll be perfectly honest. As a, a CEO, you're going to eat crow every day. Every day, you're going to have to do something you don't want to do. But in the grand scheme of things, are you getting what you want out of the company more so than you're getting what you don't want out of the company? So do you think it's, so you think it's important to have that end goal in mind when it's time to leave and move on? That's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you if you are not enjoying it anymore, but it's making money. And that means it has value. So go find somebody to buy it and take it over. And then you get your freedom back. Their businesses are just like relationships. Sometimes you stay too long and you can kill the value. It's like a TV show. Um, what's a good one? Uh, How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. Awesome TV show. I love how you're... I'm, I'm definitely a cult of How I yeah. Met Your Mother. One of my favorites. They I argue one that all they went one season too long. You're exactly right. 70s show also went one season too long. I know what you mean. One season too long. So it and um two and a half men. As soon as they let Charlie go, they should have just cut the cord. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody I never <laughs> saw it without Charlie, so I, I wasn't interested. <laughs> I saw two episodes and that's all I needed to see. And so, and what was funny is that Ashton Kutcher said that the reason that he, he canceled the ranch when he did, which was a really popular show. And it was a great storyline. Although his character was really whiny. (laughs) Um, He ended the show at the height of where it was popular because he did not want another situation like Two and a Half Men where it just went on for too long. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Some shows, though, like soap operas, man, like they go on forever. I remember being a kid and my grandma would watch soap operas every day and then get mad at me because I'm over here putting out plot lines. Like, when do they go to the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we we've been watching the same story for the last three months and ain't nobody went to bed yet like, <laughs> i think that's a baby boomer thing i really i i don't know who watches soap operas i really don't um we still I, have, I think i we still have some that that are streaming that i would consider i consider i don't know what i'd consider a soap opera downton abbey um, it's a so. I mean, if you ask me, um, what's that country western show? Um, oh, oh, uh, but Yellowstone, Nashville, Nashville. Okay, I feel that that's a soap opera, it's just ridiculous. The uh, New Fresh so, Prince is a soap opera. 
I haven't watched one episode of that. I just, I, I can't. I feel that I ruined my childhood if I watched that. I had to work. I stayed up till two in the morning the night they first, they dropped five episodes at once, and I stayed up till two in the morning on a on a Sunday having to work at seven a.m. So I couldn't leave it. It hooked me. They hooked me. I, I I just I feel like I'll ruin my childhood if I do that to myself. So I have not watched the new Fresh Prince. Um, Is there? What about um? What do you see changing in the future? That like, what are some of the the directions that you see the way people, society, business is going that you're making plans for right now to try to flatten that curve a little bit, or or if you don't want to say, because I mean that might be getting no. into details for your competitors. To be perfectly honest, I see the matrix. I see the world going towards the matrix. Honestly. Digital, um, like the whole meta thing? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I really see that. Um, They are doing a fantastic job of... What's the best way to say this? They're doing a fantastic job of killing humor human interaction well i mean like you and i are sitting here but you know you and i would have never got to have this conversation in 2019 like i agree i definitely agree however covid did a great case of people really don't want to walk up on people so mm-hmm. um the first part of it was Facebook. So now people want to be on Instagram. If you go to a dinner now, most people are so focused on their phones that they're not really interacting with the people who are actually around them. So that's going to that's going to continue to manifest into where we're all hermits. I, I really feel that it's going towards the matrix. But don't you think at some point you got to take the goggles off and look at your surroundings? And if you're living in a shithole, even though your your digital house is a mansion, like, don't, do you not think I, that? I, at some point, it's not going to be goggles. That's what's that's that's just going to be your norm. And take take it for think of it like this: we are the last generation where we can watch a movie where there's no cell phones and it looks normal to us. Yeah. Yeah. Movies. That's why there's so many time pieces in my opinion now is because cell phones ruin plots. Like why didn't Harold and Kumar just call somebody? Because in the first scene, (laughs) in the first scene, they realized they've left their phone behind. We started writing that in that early. Like, right. You've got shows like Yellowstone and all these time pieces that occur before. And I think movies are going to take it. The Western will be coming back because there's no plot that you can have that you can't resolve with your phone. No fantastic plot. But for some reason, you can't get rid of your fucking nine to five. Right. So <laughs> that, that that's what's happening. We're we're becoming antisocial. It's it. It, it has been a topic in the higher ups and it's intentional um nothing is happening on accident so well i take that back there are some things that they didn't think of 
that are happening that could be counterproductive, but they're it's it's a something that they can just strategize out. But that's how I really feel. Um, in the next ten years, the biggest industries are going to be tech companies. That's where the all the millionaires are going to be made is tech tech companies. Oh yeah, a lot of these um like how well, Airbnb took over. Years. But it's gonna be it's gonna be on a grander scale than it was the last ten because we have more things figured out and people like the the lockdown we had with COVID that that there's a group of people that will be millionaires in five years just because they had the time to sit down and really spend some time with themselves and work their their ideas out to the point where they can be, become viable. Yeah, I, I mean, I said I was one of the lucky ones that never missed a day of work because of it. Maybe I wasn't so lucky in the long run. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I worked the whole time. I worked the whole time Um, as far as my business is concerned. My business, it went up. And and it's going to continue to grow go up because the one thing, part of the reason that the job market is going the way that it is, is because you can't lie to people anymore. The pandemic showed us that we could work from home successfully mm-hmm. there's no reason for us to have to go into an office um and i can't even if i was to work for an employer they can't call me into an office to do it like the amount of money that they would have to pay me to show up every day would be insane like it would literally have to be seven figures well, like at my job the- they can't get people to come work for us now and i think a lot of it too is like you said when covid came along it, all of the ceos and the suits were sent home immediately while everybody else was November before they ever even bothered because we all started quitting. They figured out they needed to spend money on making and letting us work remote. I lost. And when we started working remote, not only did the productivity states, it excelled. Most companies saw growth in the time that people were working from home. And then what did that do for us? They gave us time, our time back. So people, I'm from Atlanta. I don't live in Atlanta anymore, but I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. The average commute in Atlanta is two hours one way. I am sorry. Is that why everybody in Atlanta is an asshole? (laughs) Yes, it is. Absolutely. (laughs) I hate Atlanta, man. I used to spend and a lot a of time in ATL, of, but and that a whole bunch of New Yorkers moved down here. So, oh, that, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. But so for a person who spends two four hours in the car every day, and then to get that four hour, what do you think that did for them? Yeah, they got more a sleep. whole shift worth of time. You should not have to spend half of your shift getting to work. And getting from work. If you work eight hours and it takes you four to get to commute, that's insane. So you should be. I wouldn't want to go back to that job. No, I don't. I I wouldn't either. What? How? So how has Atlanta changed? Because I haven't been to Atlanta for since twenty fourteen. How has Atlanta changed? It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. I, I I moved. Um, I do. I I still have a place in Atlanta just because I have family and I'm in town all the time. Um, so I'll come for like two weeks, 
every two or three months. And your windows but, are not knocked out and all your shit gone every time you come back. <laughs> Atlanta's, <laughs> Atlanta's pretty crime heavy, I feel like, because I, I always feel like I have to watch my back in Atlanta. You have to watch her back everywhere, but it just depends on where you are in Atlanta. Like, I, I'm more comfortable I in found Memphis. A- <laughs> <laughs> That's jacked up. Well, I mean, I've never... Okay, there's one place on Earth that makes me so uncomfortable, I will not go there. If my car breaks down, I'll call somebody, and I'll have them pick me up, and we'll say, fuck the car, and we'll go. And that's West Memphis, where you've got the the scary hick... How do I word this? Not to be racist, scary white people. Like, I mean, it's the police department for me. <laughs> For me, it's the and I understand that. I do understand that. How is that? How is that affecting like business for you and things like that? Does that ever come into play? Like, does does it? I mean, because racism has come no. back with a bang in the last six years, and from a guy who's now who's it made me as a white dude with a lot of black friends look at it and go. Oh shit! Like I thought, and and then and then you think you uh, how you thought. Now I feel guilty for thinking this was never that this thing was fucking resolved. And so it's I I don't see it as different. I just see it as you. Everybody who was that way was that way before they showed that they were that way. They didn't change. They just were comfortable coming out to say it. Uh, that's fair <laughs> but you gotta remember you you get a different perspective than I get so I don't that's why I'm asking yeah, these questions because I don't have that perspective it, yeah it's no different to me honestly it, it nothing has changed it's just other than the fact that people are more more um, more obvious about it why do you think Trump brought that out of people? Let's just say it. Why do you think Trump brought that out of people? Because if you look at what he said and some of the things he actually did, I don't think he himself was as bad as the people who support him. So I feel for, and this is going to sound terrible, it was good for business. He went to one rally or he went to, he said something that set that group off. It was one speech or one phrase or something. That started it and it was like, yeah, we all hate Mexicans. Yeah, it was something he said and he recognized that it brought that, 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 was effective. I don't feel that that's his point of view. I just feel that he saw that as good marketing. Because they can vote he's too. a businessman through and through. He's a businessman through and through. So it if if going the other route would have been good for business, he would have went the other route. It's it's it just happened to be what he recognized was was working. We have one candidate that was offering us free education, one that was saying he would get rid of all the Mexicans. You made the wrong choice. I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry, man. You can't. You can't, <laughs> you can't say you that. Can't, I couldn't mean. get rid of them anyway. <laughs> what? what? But, I mean, there's... You can't get rid of them. I'm, tr- I've, 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 I'm bamboozled because since it's over and since 
I, I took a long hiatus from social media during Donald Trump's uh, reign of terror, mainly because I was sick of... It was uh, wild. I, I lost so wild. many friends, man. People I thought I knew for years that just worshipped this fucking man to the point that, like... I admit, I'd rather step away the social media than lose any more friends because it was showing me a side of people that I didn't want to see. And he did bring the best out of. And don't get me wrong, there were things that Trump did do correct. He was it was not a absolute shamble of a presidency. Right. It was just he was a shamble of a person in charge. I just it was understand. more so the branding. It that, was the branding and how he marketed himself that was that was the problem. But um, it hurt us so much in the long run. Like, and you say nothing happens by accident. What? Where is the financial benefit? Benefit? Who is the financial beneficiary of the division that has been caused? Now we are talking about so much. Everybody shit that's wealthy. <laughs> we talk about and so it's much. Fine. We're so off topic now. <laughs> no, we're fine. Okay. This good. is I am open for any conversation. But um that's what that's what creates wealth. How though? Like wouldn't wouldn't everybody make more money if everybody wanted your product? No. You don't market to everybody. You market to a niche market. If you market to everybody, you're marketing to nobody. That's marketing one-on-one. You have to niche it down, and that's where the fortune is. So division is actually a very, very powerful tool in making money. That's why you have Republicans and Democrats. That's why you have and then they the, all do the, the, same the shit. have and the have-nots. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a money strategy. That's why... I, you don't know sh- about money. That is a powerful <laughs> marketing strategy. Well, the book is called powerful. You Don't Know Shit and- About Money. I'll be purchasing a copy when you let me know when it comes out. <laughs> you got my I info. will. Let me know when it comes out. I'll buy it because I think it would look good on you my You might shelf. get an advanced copy. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. If you look at my bookshelf, it's full of uh, somebody, uh, a girl that I'm seeing, she came over and was looking through my books and goes, you only buy books with the word shit in the title? And I was like, no, I've got. Well, there's that one Dave Ramsey one. Hang on, what's it called? <laughs> Blowing the dust off and stuff. But uh, I mean, right. and, and so so with a title like that, you're not you're you're obviously reaching out to younger people as your. Uh, no, I'm be... reaching out to all people. All people. Nobody's grandma's gonna buy that book. (laughs) She doesn't need to. She she she's about to go anyway. She doesn't need to know (laughs) anything about money. She don't have time to use the information. Money is time specific. Like compound interest is what Warren Buffett calls the eighth wonder of the world. Like it's or ninth wonder, whichever however many wonders there is, the extra one. So, oh, it's right. <laughs> don't worry, I don't know. I'm not gonna correct. So, it. so, um, you have to. It's a long term strategy with money. That's why Rockefellers they have a long term strategy that they that they use. 
um, all these people giving away all this money, like um, Amazon's his ex-wife, Benzo's ex-wife, she's giving all these monies. That's a strategy. It is a strategy. They they're not just giving money away for their health. It's a strategy. It's a wealth building strategy. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because even Michael Jordan gave like the vast majority of his fortune to his ex-wife right before the divorce, and then two weeks later he was a billionaire. Like he knew he knew there was some money coming and give this woman what she wanted. And it took a little bit longer than that, but let me tell you something. It felt that like was my first hero. That Michael was my Jordan? first hero because no, his wife. Oh. Because she probably wanted a divorce ten years before that, and she said. Until she knew she was at the height of where she could, she she got to the height of where she could tolerate versus the height of his wealth. And she was like, okay, I'm good. And she was good. And I think it was around the time that her kids were grown enough for them to be okay with everything. But yeah, I, I respect that. Tiger Woods, ex-wife too. She she did her thing. She knew. You don't you don't sleep with like sixty women and your wife don't know about one or two. Like she knew. I don't know. I don't I can't I, I don't know, man. but the, the amount of money that he was spending, he and my coworkers had an argument about that when that whole debacle came out. And they were like, I would never. Why would I? I was like, are you kidding me? He was giving people $2 million. I would. <laughs> I would have Girl, if you don't get off your high horse in this room. Every, listen, man. <laughs> every man likes to think that his number to sleep with a man is a lot higher than it actually is. We all say $2 million, but you put five grand on the table. You're going to see somebody <laughs> questioning there. Every. <laughs> everybody has a cost and the reason i can say that is because we have things that go to market and we have people who who actually sell people so every person has a cost they have a threshold of things that they will do for different things and depending on what you're asking them to do that threshold may be higher yeah if you tell me to go and run naked down the parking lot you might be able to give me you know $300 for that is higher than that, but I'm just saying in context. But not for but me. That's going to be a lot. <laughs> you come to me, bring it my way. I'll do it for 300 See what I'm saying? For me, it would be about three or 4000 I need a month of bills taken care of for something like that. I just need to be able to eat tomorrow. I'll be fine. Or payroll. Like, I, I need my payroll taken care of for me. But if you're I telling me something like, with... hey, let a candle burn somewhere on you, then that may cost a little bit more money. But there's a threshold of where I would accept something like that versus somebody else. So um, everything is, it goes back to everything is sellable. You can sell it. Just be out there enough to sell it. Push yourself out there enough to sell it. That That's the, the end game. And there's people who have YouTube channels dedicated to just giving people money. I don't understand where they're getting all this money from to give away, but they give away gobs of money on YouTube. I know Mr. Beast does that. And I think he said that a lot of the time he gets a loan because his credit is so good because he pays back the loans like pretty, pretty quick. Once the video launches that like, like sometimes he gets a loan 
and he can get a loan for like three million dollars now because when the video comes out they're going to make like five pay back the loan and then they're going to put the other two on another but, i mean it's one one channel they went and bought like a seventy thousand dollar pizza <laughs> yeah i don't understand because i i'm going to tell you i've 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 been a part. I, I first off, this show will not be on YouTube. I, I I am still mad at YouTube, and I am uh, refusing to post my content on there. So when this comes out, this will be on Spotify. It'll be an audio only thing, but it'll be on Spotify. And um, Spotify has done very good for us. They have given us money. They have helped us to improve our place. YouTube. This is where I get pissed off at YouTube. We we do a Guns N' Roses, for those of you who are, everybody listening already knows. We, our main yeah, show. Yeah, it's right behind you. Oh, yeah. Our main show is about the <laughs> band Guns N' Roses. All of the stuff behind me. Like, there's a good collection here. Like, That's and, so dope. And, um... They put out a new song for the first time since 2006, I think it is. Um, and we got up in the middle of the night. People were messaging me because they didn't announce it. They just did it. And so I'm getting all these messages like, dude, did you hear the song came out? We all already had the song. That's a whole other story. You had to be, you had to be there. But we all, you know, had heard it by now. And it's like, they're actually releasing a song. We need to do something now. So I got out of bed. We did a countdown to midnight so we could, you know, we review a different song in each episode is our gimmick. We reviewed the new song immediately live when it came out and we put it on YouTube. And when you would search that song on YouTube, you'd get the song in our podcast. And that was awesome for about two days. And then other people started covering it that they preferred instead of us. And then they buried us down to like the second or third page. And so from then on, I've said, I will not post again on YouTube. I'm tired of my content being buried for the preferred people when I just don't feel like that is fair. I don't feel like our work and our time and our energy are being fairly rewarded. Distribute, right. I mean, they weren't even paying us. They're paying these other people. They weren't even paying us. Like We never saw a dime from from those three or four days where you know we were on the first page of the search results and yet they still felt the need to bury us and so spotify came along and they've been very generous to us and they have paid us very well not very well i can't quit my job or anything but you know i at least don't pay to do this yeah i don't pay to do this anymore this pays for itself I mean, that's why I'm able to come in and talk to you on a whole spinoff show that, you know, because we're going to, the main show is going to get paid for us doing this. I mean. That's so awesome. And see, you found a way. And even if it's just paying for itself, you still found a way to monetize what you love. Oh, that's, and, and, and you know, that's all it needs to do when it's something like this. It's like just something I'm doing for fun and because I enjoy it. Because this also pays for itself in a way. Because if I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm not on eBay. I'm not driving around town, burning up gas. I'm not going somewhere and 
buying some stupid thing I don't need to hang up in this room because it'll look cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, that does pay for itself. Yeah, in that aspect, it does do that. What can you do, somebody? I'm going to ask you this because we're getting toward probably the end here, I feel like. Okay. What can you do for somebody like me <laughs> whose money spending is erratically out of control? What would be the first thing you would say to somebody like me to come in and uh, slap some sense into them to to get their shit together, to be able to be a successful person? I would make you write down every penny that you spend every day for 30 days. Okay. Once you have that knowledge, what do you do with it? Is it you would look at it and then, and then be like, this is stupid as hell. Okay. You would change your behavior. I wouldn't have to do anything. Once you saw, and, and you having to write it down will actually make you more conscious that you're spending it. So you would naturally spend less because you would have to write it down. Hmm, that does make sense. Actually, it makes a lot of sense. Plus, actually having to write something down every time you spend would be an extra step in the process. And you're like, ah, it's not even worth it. I don't want this as bad yep. as I thought it is. <laughs> Exactly, because you would have to have, I have these little notebooks. So you have a little notebook like that you find at the dollar store and you would have to write it literally. If you go to Quick Trip and you spend a dollar five cents on a muffin, you have to put in your note, Quick Trip muffin dollar five cents. Is there is there a thing besides, uh, I know we mentioned cable as a thing that a lot of people would benefit from getting rid of. What else is something that our listeners could say that they could benefit from? I mean, obviously, if you buy our Patreon, then that's a very good investment, and you should continue to to buy that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. We've actually switched completely <laughs> to Spotify because Patreon wasn't even paying enough. So. <laughs> so I would say look at your subscriptions. Some subscriptions, like the gym, <laughs> can go. <laughs> I mean, if you ain't going to the gym, you don't need it. You don't need it. Um, Is that not a motivator, though, to actually go? Like, for some people, the fact that they're going to pay for it. I've always heard that a gym membership, that that, that, that paying for it will motivate you to go. Or is that just something people say they want to sell gym memberships? Yeah, that's something they say. Because if you look at, like, LA Fitness number, probably 69% of people who pay for LA Fitness don't go. Mm. Okay. I'm gonna have to look up that statistic because it's. In fact, let me do that. How many people? I will say I was going to the gym. Why you do that? I'm gonna say I was going to the gym every morning before COVID, and it. I wasn't living here where the gym's across the street. Like now, I could literally walk to the gym, and I don't go. I don't have a membership anymore. I was kidding about that, but before COVID. I was going every day. I was so proud of myself. I had these little bitty Popeye the Sailor muscles that were starting to pop up. I was losing some some of the weight, feeling good. And I'm going to tell you, if you do have a gym membership and you're not using it, go before work. Make yourself get up in the morning and go before work because you will hate your job. That was about the time I started getting promoted. That was the time I started enjoying my job for a change because it wasn't the first thing I did. In the morning, it was the second thing on my agenda was go to work. Yep. And um, so the first thing that came up was 67% 
of memberships go unused. Oh wow, that seems like we should we should be in that business. Why don't we? Let's let's talk. <laughs> let's open up a gym. Well, you have to maintain. I'm always up for a joint venture. <laughs> we can find that niche. What we need to do is we need to get together. We need to find that niche of people who are the 69% that will buy a gym membership and not actually go only market to them. And then we don't have to maintain the equipment. And then- Oh my gosh. You know what? I feel that we're about to go into another depression. So a liquor store might be a better investment. <laughs> oh, what, what signs do you see that we might be going into another depression because of the housing the market? Prices, is- they- definitely. This is not sustainable. It's not. And I mean, I'm a guy trying to buy a house right now, and I'm telling you right now, it is frustrating. Yeah, it's not sustainable. And so it's going to keep going for just a little bit. But at some point, the market is going to be so overpriced that nobody can afford it. Nobody's going to be buying houses and it's going to it's going to plummet. And with it, like we saw in 2009, it's going to take a couple of things with it. So what investments are what? Okay. And I see this bothers me because I have a 401k. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. And if, and if that happens, I'm going to lose all this money. What? Only what, if you keep it in your 401k. What can you do? Uh, how can you, maybe we should be talking privately. <laughs> what can a person that's in that situation do to to move that money around so that it doesn't get impacted? Besides, I mean, if you take it out of roll the 401k. It, they're well, gonna, you can roll it into a 401k that you control and not the company controls. Um, that's the first thing, because what happens with a 401k is they take your money and they invest it. And they get a percentage of that money that they are generating from your money and this is what banks do too the way that they have all this money they lend out they take the money in your bank account and they invest it they give it out they lend it to people with a percentage attached to it or they put it in the stock market and then they make money and then they give you a small percentage of that one percent or half a percent or or they'll give you a couple yeah, of hundred dollars making a half bank account. <laughs> right so they give you a small amount of money but they're making a large amount of money off of your money in the bank so that's why companies that i don't agree with i don't bank with because they're making money off of my money um and so what you one do of the things you you'll turn... talk about in your book yes all right just getting that so... plug in all right go ahead <laughs> one of the things that is extremely important is you be in control of your own destiny. So roll that over into a 401k that you yourself um, are in charge of. And then you can put it into trade accounts and start learning how to do stock options. If you want to become wealthy very fast, do stock options. It's one of the easiest ways. And it's very unheard of. Like everybody's talking about Forex and I've done Forex trading. It's amazing. People can make a lot of money, but people make a lot more money doing stock options because it takes less money and it's faster. I know someone who makes literally $10,000, $12,000 a day in 10 minutes doing stock options. Oh, well. And it pisses me off for the people who are sitting on the side of the road who are asking for spare change and there's somebody... I know personally that's making twelve thousand dollars between nine and nine fifteen. 
And it all boils down to whether or not you know shit about money. <laughs> so I feel like that's a good they, note they, then. I feel like that's a good note to close on then because the book is you don't know shit about money. If you don't want to be the guy, if you don't want to be me and you want to be and you want to be in her situation and not mine, you should probably check out the book. I know I'm going to check it out. You've sold me on it. I'm definitely going to read the book. <laughs> if nothing else other than yes. the fact that I feel like we've got a had a good connection here and that I want to read something, yes. somebody I feel like I kind of know, not really, but you know, I've met in a way. Call me. You can know more. Yeah, I'm well, actually I'm a pretty dope person to know. <laughs> you seem like it. I felt like we've gotten along. You haven't called me out on getting off track or my ADD taking me into weird places into this in this conversation. So I've enjoyed having you on. I've enjoyed talking to you. Hopefully, I get to talk to you again someday. Um, and you can invite me back anytime. Invite yourself back. You've got my calendar link now. Just pick a day. You can come back anytime. We'll talk about beer or cigarettes or chips or whatever. <laughs> I am definitely a beer fan. And next time you come to Atlanta, go to Taco Mac. That's that's beer heaven. Taco what? Mac. Is it close M-A-C. to is it close to the dome? Because if I'm going to Atlanta, I'm probably heading there. They have one at the dome. Oh. I did not know that. And it just for my beer enthusiasts, they have over 200 bottles and over 250 draft beers at every location. Nice. I'll check that out. That sounds pretty good. I don't think I could try all of them and walk away. Uh, I do no, know that they I actually have that. a beer university where they give you, they'll let you know when new brews come in and their menu is extensive. Like the whole menu has where the brew is from. So it's international and how what the percentage of alcohol is and their taste points. It's it's I love that place. I'll give Next you time a, I do the podcast, I'll be at Taco Mac. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll do we'll, we'll meet there someday and we'll drink all of we'll make it a point to do a podcast trying all of the beers. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm there. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get halfway through the show and be like, oh this guy tastes beer and smell like beer. Right. Disclaimer, there's an Uber outside. Or disclaimer, we have a DD. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I'll, I'll give one more money-saving tip that I have found When now that you mentioned beer. I think it was Outback. I was on a business trip, and I think it was Outback, I want to say, that had uh they would sample beer you could sample any beer you wanted for free and then they would bring you uh, a glass that looked like this but was about this size of the beer we had them like yes now i would like to sample the bud light now i want to sample <laughs> we caught Taco a pretty Mac does that too we caught a pretty Taco good buzz is- just sampling shit for free like <laughs> but they put it in the little sauce cups so, you know, the wrench and, and blue cheese, they'll put it in a little sauce cup for you to sample. So it's like the ice cream when you go to the yogurt stand and you get that little bitty spoon. <laughs> That's funny. Well, thank you. You've been a pleasure to to chat with today. I hope you, uh, everything you do is successful. I hope everybody listening goes and buys the book or at least checks it out. Um, I'm gonna well, we're we're gonna talk after the show so I can get all your information. Uh, links are in the description of yes. this podcast. And uh, to make it real easy for you, well, uh, all the links are in the description. When the book comes out, I'll try to update the link and uh, uh, put an Amazon link or something there. I don't know where it'll be available 
at yet, but you know, everywhere. Everywhere. Are you doing an audio? Everywhere book? I am, it'll be of it. You know, yes, absolutely. I just actually, haven't decided if I'm gonna be the one to to narrate it or if I'm gonna have somebody else with a sultry voice. You don't know shit about. Oh, that'd be fine. Today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what's called? You don't know shit about money today. That's a good tagline. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for spending time with me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Cherie. Thank you, it's not Cherie. Is it Cherie? It is. What did I say it the is. first time? I said it wrong. Sherry, I think, the first time. Cherie. You did. It's two ways to pronounce it and 700 ways to spell it. So you're okay. <laughs> Cherie Michelle, everybody. Thanks for listening and uh, come back next time. Good night, folks. Bye.